Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening, the edition right before we kick off or tip off the NCAA tournaments. It is Tournament Eve here at Hoopsville and D3Hoops.com. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Coming to you from the WBCA NABC studios. We are live, as we always are, thanks to also the city of Salem for their help. Um, we really talk about it all at this point. Trying to figure out who's in and who's out of the tournament is over. We did that last week. We know what's happened. We know who's playing for the tournament, and now we move forward with talking to those teams and figuring out who we think might escape, as it were, the NCAAs and get a championship bid. There are 64 teams on the women's side. There are 64 teams on the men's side. Only one champion will be crowned at the end of it all. If you've got questions for us, all the information on the bottom of your screen, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We have a jam-packed show once again tonight. Lots to talk to. Um, we'll tell you who the list is. Mark Brown and Sam Tony from New Jersey City will be joining us, the head coach and star player for the program. Also, if time allows, we will play a story about Sam Tony from New Jersey City. Nate Davis from the Gettysburg Women will join us, the 23rd-ranked Bullets, into the NCAA tournament, have a tough task in their first game against Albright. We'll talk to Nate about that. Jeff Rogers from Barry Men's Basketball. They're in the tournament as the SAA champs as the eighth seed as the below 500 record. Say what? Well, they earned their way in. We'll talk to him about what the Vikings did to earn that opportunity and what they took advantage of to get into the tournament, what they expect against the sixth-ranked Emory Yellow Jackets. Alex Ritchie will join us from Oglethorpe Women's Basketball Team. He's in our WBCA center court. He's a repeat in the center court, though that's happened in the past. Alex will talk to us about a number of topics, including what he's doing to get his team ready for this uh, game coming up against Thomas Moore, but most importantly, what he does with the WBCA as a poll committee member and, among other things, uh, what he is doing um, – when he's not on the basketball court, but how a, a program started by a Division three former student-athlete and coach is something he's gotten heavily involved in. We'll talk to Alex about it all. Dan Engelstad will join us from Southern Vermont. The men's head coach will talk to us about uh, Mountaineers who may be flying a little under the radar this time around. How will they do against Wesleyan this upcoming weekend, and can they get past the Cardinals and maybe make some waves? We'll talk to Engelstad. About it all. And then Ken Scalmanini will join us from Claremont Mud Scripps. They have a rematch with Whitworth this time. The Pirates are the second-ranked team in the country. I don't have a feeling they're scared about them. Uh, they know them well. And Michael Scarlett is a heck of a talent as well. He and Kyle Roach will kind of do battle against one each other. We'll talk to Scalmanini about those matchups. Plus, take your questions and answer your questions if we can. I know I've gotten a number of emails between... Uh, Monday and even Sunday and today with a lot of questions. We're trying to get back to them all, admittedly, haven't been able to. We will still do our due diligence in the next 24 hours to get them accomplished. I can tell you this much. I'm going to take full advantage of the opportunities here afforded to us. On Friday, I will head to York to see the 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock games. Yeshiva versus York is kicking things off with the NCAA tournament this year. And I will see that game at 1 o'clock, followed by the 3 o'clock game. Then I'm hightailing it. About 40 minutes south, basically passing my house halfway in between, or a little over halfway in between, to head down to Johns Hopkins to see the games at Hopkins at 5 and 7. May leave that 3 o'clock men's game at York a little bit early 
to get that accomplished, depending on what's going on there. Uh, for those of you wondering, there is no whip around this year. We apologize. Just too many resources and too many places to try and pull it off. So there will not be a whip around this season, unfortunately. Love to do it. Um, just wasn't in the cards this year. So that's why we're taking advantage of going to some local games. I haven't had this many local games relatively close to me in quite some time. I'm looking forward to taking advantage of it. Then Saturday night, I actually have another engagement, but I certainly will be keeping track of time or uh, uh, locations and whatnot. I think Pat Coleman said he might show up to uh, an event. I know Gordon's probably finding a locale. We'll, we'll all be around and certainly following. You can follow us on social media and, of course, at d3hoops.com. And, of course, on the D3 boards as well at d3boards.com as to what we're up to there. So if you got questions for us, you know how to do it. Tweet, email, Facebook Live, whatever the case may be. We'll try and answer your questions. Um, we'll also try and get to the bottom of some other things. Jay Cozen asks, he's a big-time fan, and Pat and Dan. Dane, welcome to the show. Jay says, I was going to ask if you ever got to the final women's regional rankings and saw they were just posted, so never mind. Yep, women's regional rankings came out yesterday, I believe, finally. They had some glitches apparently behind the scenes, from what I've been told, by uh, their liaison. Uh, I didn't quite understand all of the glitches. They're a little bit over my head, certainly above my pay grade. But they had glitches nonetheless. Anyway, they are up, and you can see them. We posted them as well. So have at it, <laughs> as it were. Um, yeah, Pat says he'll be at St. John's on Friday and likely Saturday. He'll be at St. Thomas. So that's good. Yeah, we could see on the women's side St. Thomas versus Chicago in a second-round battle. Not as brutal as DePaul versus uh, trying in the first round, speaking of which, segue as it were, we finally did talk to the women's committee chair earlier today, Bobby Morgan, the Haverford women's coach, who, of course, has her team in the tournament as well as an at-large pick, took the time out of her schedule to talk to us. We put it up as a separate podcast. We won't air it during this show just to save some time and talking to other coaches. But we have already put it out there. It's available as a podcast. Bobby answered a lot of questions. She also talked about things that she would love to see maybe adjusted or tweaked or maybe changed in the future. One of them she talked about was how many people have their eyes on the bracket. And we know that it basically came down to about three people doing the brackets. After midnight, the women didn't finish selections until midnight. It's the latest I think they have gone in a long time. They started around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Tells you how hard the work is if they're going that long on it. Um, so the bracket was done basically by three people because the other five were in the tournament and thus uh, didn't participate. Uh, I asked Bobby, it's worth going back and listening, saying, listen, you're the chair. At some point, whether the liaison feels it's unfair, you get to find out who you're playing a little bit in advance of everybody else notwithstanding shouldn't you as chair be able to go into that bracket and look at it and say, ah, we need to fix a couple things here? Because ultimately she's the one who's answering the questions, right? She actually did agree, but she went in more depth on that than that. Um, so when it comes to selections, just to back up, when a, a member like Bobby has to come off of the call because her team is at the table... They do have a second from that region, so Bobby, and I don't know who they were in each of the five regions that had these conflicts, had someone on, on the call the whole time, may not have been participating, but at least paying attention so they understand what was going on, could step in in her stead and help make decisions until Haverford was picked or the, or the process was over. Those seconds, however, do not participate in the bracketing. 
So that's left to the committee. And because five members of the women's committee are on that, they didn't participate. It was down to three. I talk a lot more extensively in the podcast, especially after talking to Bobby about some of those particulars, as it were. Um, you can tune in again. It's on the show page for today's show. You'll find it there. If you're a podcast subscriber, it should have popped up in your system already. Uh, we provided links galore even on social media. So that interview up, and I thank Bobby for her time. Um, yes, potentially <laughs> Chicago versus St. Thomas on that women's side. It'd be nice if we got that, be sure. Teask Gala, huge chief 44 says, thanks for all your hard work. What are your thoughts on Whitman Shriner CMS Whitworth pod? Well, it's, it's a tough pod. Um, I have heard from several individuals on the men's committee that blaze blatantly said, I really wish we could have gotten the two W's away from each other. I think if the committee had had its druthers, they would have. It may have cost Whitman a hosting opportunity if they had pulled it off, but I think they tried it. I, I think the hook that everyone may not be aware of, go back to our Monday show when we talked to the men's committee chair. None of the Texas schools who were in the tournament had put in to bid. They had not filed to bid. So that's Sol Ross, that's Schreiner, that's Letourneau, etc. None of them wanted to bid. As a result of that, you couldn't send anybody anywhere, really, without way too many flights. Um, the only way to solve the Whitworth-Whitman experiment with what we have now was to add a fifth flight. You could have sent another Texas team in, certainly, but then you would have had to ship Whitworth out. That's an extra flight. That's five flights. We have four. Um, ideally, if a Texas school was hosting we would have eliminated a couple of flights and they probably would have had the perfect excuse to get Whitworth out, out the door. Now they, they may have even had to have been forced to, to fly Whitman out too and avoid the hosting, which is the other downfall here. And I'm sure we would have gotten plenty of, of complaints that none of them were hosting, even though they deserved it, but we would have at least gotten them on the other side of brackets or at least away from each other. It wasn't in the cards this year. It's unfortunate for those of you who think we don't have a problem with that. Or for those of you who think we don't, um, we no longer or we're defending the action. We're not. Behind the scenes, trust me, we asked the questions, and we asked it on air on Monday. But we also know the realities of things. And while it's tremendously unfortunate that now the number one versus number two is taking each other on, and for the record, I have them as number one and number four, the old one and four, when the committee put the bracket together, they were perfectly aware they didn't necessarily want that game to take place if both teams win the first round, I may add. I also am not a thrill, thrilled that CMS is playing Whitworth again. Uh, that said, it's probably the better matchup for that scenario. Whitman was still the top-ranked regional team in that pod. They should get Schreiner in that sense. I get that. Uh, as to who comes out of that, well, if you ask Ryan Scott, I think he'd tell you CMS would, he, he thinks could pull it off. They might. Um, I think Whitworth has a legitimate chance. Uh, they know they can beat Whitman. I think they've known they could beat Whitman for quite some time. It just finally took into a controversial finish in the conference championship. And Whitman's going to be confident they can get out of there. Schreiner's about the only one I don't know what to think of. If they pull it off, I'll be pretty darn surprised. But I think of the three, I think you got go ranking Whitman, Whitworth, CMS. But we'll talk to Ken Scalmanini later about his thoughts on all of that and whether he thinks his team can get out of that pod. Um, 
Do you think what? Who do you think makes it out of that pod? Yeah, I. I get a little nervous about making selections for a couple of reasons. I am on the broadcast crew for NCAA.com for the Final Four, and I am perfectly aware that I don't want any of you thinking I have favorites in Salem because I pick teams a certain distance um, or I think certain teams are going to win. So I'm a little little hesitant to give you who I actually think is going to come out. But again, I think there's three teams that have a chance. I think Claremont Mud Scripps is better than people realize. Michael uh, Scarlett is a darn good talent, and since he's come back, they've lost one game. Um, they beat Whitworth last year. They're certainly capable of doing it again. They're dangerous. I can see why Ryan thinks maybe they can come out. Whitman, number one team in the country. You can't go against them in that sense. They're battle-tested. They understand what's going on. That loss will help kind of galvanize them. They're just as dangerous. And then Whitworth for the same reasons. The win over Whitman is going to give them confidence. They know they can go in and win in Walla Walla. They're going to have to get past Claremont Mud Scripps. Makes them just as dangerous, though. There's three legitimate teams that can come out of that. It's a real pick em to some degree. Um, but I guess go rankings-wise as to what may, who may be the favorites. Um, it's going to be a great games in, in Walla Walla. I'm looking forward to, when I get home, tuning into uh, at least one or two of them if I can. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, hold on, I just saw something here. Uh, talking about Dan Engelstad's 104-33 and 33 with two NECC titles in five years. Ask him if he's got an itch to start climbing the ladder. Uh, Joey, I can tell you this much. I won't ask him that. And if any D2 or D1s contacted him. I'm not going to ask him. I don't tend to ask coaches about that kind of stuff for a very varying amount of reasons. Um, I also know behind the scenes when coaches are in the mix for things that sometimes is not reported. Uh, it's not a topic I think is is topical now. It could certainly be topical in the middle of the season, but it wasn't topical now. We should also point out we talked to Dan already, and that will air later. Going to need to take a break. When we come back, we'll have Mark um, Mark Brown and Sam Tony from New Jersey City, and we're going to try and tell you the, this story of Sam as well. Actually, you know what? Without taking a break, we're going to do that. So here's what we're going to do a little bit different than we normally do here on Hoopsville. We're going to take a break by literally telling you the story of Sam Tony. This is a story that New Jersey City put together. It's a story about Sam and how he has gotten to where he is now as a player on the New Jersey team. I hope you'll enjoy it. After that, we will talk to him and Mark Brown live via Skype. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Up next, Mark Brown and Sam Tony, but first, an expose on who Sam Tony is and what makes him so special. What do you know about Sam's story before he came to you? Most of it's confidential information. Uh, if Sam wants to reveal it to you, he can. He'll have to tell you the, the details of the story. My story begins with foster care. I've been in foster homes that the people were just for the money. I've been in foster homes who genuinely care. I've been in temporary foster homes. I've been in group homes. I don't clearly remember how many foster homes I've been in. Um, I know it's over 50 plus. I learned to take uh, hardships uh, as a, a learning lesson. Like It happened for a reason. Uh, learn from it. Get through it. 
Everybody has their personal problems and personal things they go through. Mine was, I wasn't stable. I didn't stay with my biological parents because my dad uh, wasn't around. My dad was locked up. My mom um, didn't have a place for us to stay. I don't blame my parents for it because I don't know the situation they were in back then. The foster system can work for some. And the reason why it has worked for Sam is because he's driven. We generally will take in someone, and we have taken in other, other kids, but something was special about Sam. He was super respectful, he was kind, he was quiet, and very funny. Marlon and Antoinette mean, mean a lot to me. They, they took me into their home, they accepted me as their child. To me, they mean just as much as my mom and dad mean to me. There were things that he experienced that I had experienced, so it was an instant connection. It didn't take a half hour to 45 minutes before I realized he's staying with us. My first love was football, right, growing up. I never knew that I would ever love basketball until Sam came into our lives. Anytime I felt um, that I had a problem or anything, I went to play basketball. The way I got through things was expressing it on the court. He's always interested in basketball, that was for sure. And I used to tell him you had to eat, breathe, and live your sport in order to get somewhere in it. Good work, good work, Sam, good work. Stay low, head up. I know a lot of coaches. I, I deal with a lot of schools. There's no other coach that could have coached Sam better than Mark. We hit it off from the first day I met him. Came in with this big smile, and I knew Sam was going to be hit with me. Sam is an adult, and I treat him as such. Uh, but like Wood said, there's some things he needed to learn, and he still needs to learn. The fact that I have him for two more years so he can improve even more, I think by the time Sam finishes his career at NJCU, it's going to be really special. NJCU is definitely home for me. Um, it's a perfect fit for me. I'm doing so well basketball-wise and academically-wise. I'm not one of the people that, that, because I've been through so much, I'm going to stop. I still want to play basketball professionally. I still want to own my own security company. It's a lot of things that I want to do. You can't do that thinking about, always thinking negative, always thinking about the past. Uh, at some point, you got to move on. To accomplish from special services to go to college is a big deal, especially to stick with it and to be successful with it. So that's one of the things we're very proud of you about. Sam's life is, is going to impact others in a, in a tremendous way. My story's not over. It's still being written.
Pretty incredible story, to say the least. If you want to learn more, that has been well written up as well. You can certainly find plenty of stories. We've even talked about it plenty on D3Hoops.com. As for the team, Sam Tony is helping lead. It is 19-7, and 13-5. However, lost their last two. Got in as an at-large, the NCAA tournament. They are on their way up to Plattsburgh, probably getting ready to shovel themselves out of a couple feet of snow as a Nor'easter has gotten up there. But they've got a tournament ahead of them, and it's Union, the surprise out of the Liberty League. How does that prepare them? How do they feel about it? Do they feel they got a chance? Well, joining us live via Skype, it is the head coach, Mark Brown, and his star sophomore in Sam Tony, who we just talked about. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? We're doing well. I'm uh, probably a little bit better than you guys. It's only raining down here. <laughs> um, Sam, let's start with you first and foremost. Your story, I know you've told a hundred times. I'm not going to get you to whole rehash it. We obviously got a great intro into it there. But how important now has this thing become into terms of basketball, the college experience, and your head coach? Well, it's been, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank Coach for the opportunity. Without him, I, um, I wouldn't be here. So that's where um, it all starts. Um, started with him and our athletic um, sports director. They wanted me to um, share my story, and they feel as though it will go well with sports, which it did. And it certainly goes well with sports. I'm sure it also goes well for a number of people. Uh, and, and Coach, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's about New Jersey. There seems to be a lot of Sam Tony stories out there. We've seen it through the years. Cabrini's had some similar ones. I've seen some others in the NJAC. Is it a New Jersey story? Is it just happened to be the one being told in New Jersey? Uh, not sure. Uh, we're just happy to have him, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, you know, he's one of these special people, special players on and off the court. Uh, they come along once in a lifetime. Uh, obviously once in the program's lifetime. So I'm excited that a gentleman by the name of Butch Ingram gave me a call and we were able to meet, and everything is going well so far, better than expected. Now quickly tell me about that phone call. I know that you probably get a lot of calls and a lot of tips from a lot of individuals, even those you trust very much. It doesn't mean they all pan out. How How did this go from call to sitting next to you on the show right now? Well, Butch Ingram is a friend of the families. Uh, he's someone that's, uh, he's really a guy that I depend on in South Jersey uh, as far as recruiting talent. And I coached his son, so he knows what we're about. He knows what my program is about. Uh, he had a relationship with my father before I became the head coach. And he called me and told me he had a special guy. And uh, he knows what, what kind of student athletes we're looking for, guys that are dedicated to their craft on and off the court. And um, be honest with you, when... The first day I met Sam, I had a good feeling about the meeting, and uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. And here he is with us up in Plattsburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got you in Plattsburgh. I think the other reason you're in Plattsburgh is how the season ended. Let's let's pivot here a little bit to the season. You guys expected to have a really good year. Came out like a storm. Uh, first half of the season before the holiday break, mm-hmm. undefeated. Then Hopkins trips you guys up down at Christopher Newport. You lose two out of three, three out of six. Uh, conference starts to trip you up. Things start to get a little bit complicated. The second half didn't seem as smooth as the first half, guys. Right. Um, what happened, to be honest with you, we, we overachieved early. Uh, we lost a lot last year. Yeah. I'm just thankful, and I've been surprised. I was really surprised at the start. And, uh, you know, I was, a, I was kind of expecting the start that we had this year, next year. <laughs> you know, we... <laughs> 
we lost four starters from last year's team. Sam was the only returning starter. Mm -hmm. um, but we really, what we did is we stuck together. And, um, you know, we had some big wins early. And it kind of carried us throughout the first half of the season. And uh, once we got to the second part, we did slip a little bit defensively. Uh, right now was our weakness. And we really ended on a poor note, which was really disappointing. Um, but I think the fact that we chose to play really strong, some really strong teams and had one of the toughest strength of schedules in the country, not only the region, that helped. And I'm glad someone was paying attention. One of the things I do as a coach is I look for tough games because it prepares me for the NJAC. And uh, it, was, it, it obviously helped this year, and it helped last year also in us getting this at-large bid. Sam, you get, you, you're on the one who's taken the heat on the floor, as it were. You're the one who obviously gets the most guys and, and tension defensively and whatnot, but you're also the one who's got the face of the program, for lack of a better description, because of how well you play. And when you guys struggle, I'm sure you hear it from others as well. How hard was the second half of the season, especially after the start? I mean, it's always hard when um, you're the type of player I am, but um, Coach stays on me. Coach prepares me for that type of stuff. He lets me know uh, what team is going to key on, what teams are going to do. So he well prepares me for situations like that. Um, so like he said, he, he he broke it down to me. We definitely overachieved, and we just got to come together. And at this point, like I said, like he said, I'm, we're thankful for being here, but we got to come together and build off of that. How hard is it, Sam, especially the end there, where you guys lost three of your last five, Rowan tripped you up, then Stockton and William Patterson in the tournament. How hard is it to to keep your spirits, um, and especially when you're parked, as it were, for a week waiting to find out what you guys are going to do? How hard is it to keep your spirits? How hard is it to keep focus? How hard is it to keep the team in good in good order? It's hard, but you got to want something out of it. Um, you got to play basketball for a purpose, and if you're not playing basketball for a purpose, then you shouldn't be playing at a college level. Well, he's he's a sophomore, you say, Coach? Um, yeah. He speaks like he's a senior. Um, how much has this team grown this year in the hardship that you've handled? Uh, we've grown a lot. Uh, obviously, we, we've added a couple of transfers. We've put a couple of reserves in uh, positions where they're now starters. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to touch on the question you just asked, Sam. It's very difficult, but at the end of the day, we were pretty sure that we'd be playing postseason basketball, whether it was the NCAA tournament or the ECAC tournament. So, uh, you know, we still have something to play for. We have a bunch of mini goals during the season. One of them is another 20-win season, which we need one more to attain that goal. So we have a lot to play for tomorrow. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, you guys will take on Union, who's the surprise out of Liberty for two years in a row now. Not a team you're normally preparing for. They're a little bit atypical from what you've played normally. How have you guys gotten ready for this one? Uh, we're as ready as we're going to be. You know, obviously with Synergy and Crossover and a lot of the game tape exchange formats, we've, met, we've been able to see there's some film on them. Uh, you know, obviously the Liberty League is a little different from the NJAC. So we uh, this is going to be a different game for us. But we've played some teams that have similar styles. Drew University is very similar to Union. Johns Hopkins is very similar to Union. So and this is what I try to do when I try to make my non-conference and independent schedule. I try to schedule different teams, teams that are different from, you know, their styles, the strategy, their, their approach is a little different from what we see in the NJAC. So it's kind of worked out for us this year. We, we're really excited to be here. 
Sam, I, I hear coaches say that often. They try and find teams that they give him a wide variety. As a player, is it easy to remember the teams he's referencing, the Drews, the Johns Hopkins, and the like, when you go and look at game tape of a union? Or do you have to be reminded of those games or maybe the particulars, I should say, of those games? Absolutely not. As a basketball player, you should have those type of games stuck in your head and uh, watch film. I watch film all the time, and – it's a learning experience. You want to learn uh, from the mistakes and stuff that you do in, in the game. So it's not it's not it's not something you just forget. You got to pay attention and want to get better and want to build. Sam, you lead the team at twenty plus points a game. Uh, you also have uh, nearly ten rebounds on top of that. You certainly hand out your fair share of assists. LeBron Green. 14.5 points a game, and James Julius, 10 points a game. Before I ask Coach about what that means to him, what's it mean to you? You get all those points and you have all those rebounds, but you have other guys contributing as well. How do you get them involved when obviously you're also the focal point? Well, I stay on my teammates. Um, the coaches say I'm a little hard on them sometimes, but that's just how I was raised and that's how I was taught to play basketball. But uh, without them, I wouldn't be able to score and do the things I do. I need them just as much as I need my coaches. Coach, what does it mean to have a guy like him at 20 points a game, another guy like Green at 14-some-odd points a game, and plenty of more options besides Sam if he's not having a good night or if he's getting plenty of attention? Well, it shows the depth and versatility of the team, and that's important. And there have been – there haven't been many of them, but there have been a night or two <laughs> where Sam uh, – wasn't on on target and uh you know in the, on, on those days the other guys have definitely stepped up and any college coach would tell you uh the more depth you have uh obviously the, during the longevity of the season uh the, the better off you're going to be levon green was a pleasant surprise this year he's a guy who came from ramapo didn't play much at all transferred into me as a junior and was just announced second team all conference and um james julius has had some injuries but it uh, looks like we're going to have him for the tournament. Uh, we haven't had him in the past two weeks. He's obviously been our, he's been our starting small forward all season, and he's back from a high anchor sprain. So finally, we'll be going into the tournament full strength, and uh, we're just looking forward to it. The, um, the story of the NJAC is it's tough to get out of the first round. Uh, Stockton's about the only one who has in the last 10-plus years. They've certainly made their, their hay with it. But Ramapo, right. yourselves, and others, first game sometimes is the big Ballywick, and the second second game, let alone, can be a challenge, and Ramapo proved that last year. I right. know that's not something you talk about, but I know in the conference you guys want to represent in some capacity, yourselves and Ramapo. Does that add pressure? Not really. Not this year. You know, last year, to be honest with you, that was a tough loss we had. And I think the guys never got over that in Jack final. We weren't focused against Skidmore. Uh, we got knocked out in the first round. And obviously the second round game would have been really tough for us. We would have played, obviously, the eventual national champion in Babson. But that was last year. It's a different team, different approach. I think there's more excitement around the team. We kind of knew we were in last year. This year has been a pleasant surprise that we were picked uh, to participate in the tournament. And we're just really excited. You could feel it. The, uh, the excitement in the school, you could feel excitement in practice on the bus ride up today. Uh, we're really looking forward to getting after it tomorrow. Sam, from your point of view, is there any pressure like that? Or do you guys not even care about what, what it means for the conference? And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, does it really matter to you? 
I mean, of course, we want to win the championship. That's the first goal. Right. The first, there's two goals in the season. The first goal is to win our, our conference, and the second goal is to get 20 wins. So, of course, it means something. But uh, like Coach said, there's bigger stuff and bigger uh, pictures that we got to focus on. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the team. Sam, talk about your story, though. We could talk about your story for a half hour, and I'd still be fascinated. <laughs> There's several people online who've already said, Jay and Mark both say, hey, great luck and good luck in the tourney. Your story is inspiring. It is inspiring, Sam. Uh, and I'm sure you're a role model amongst your peers. And uh, you got one chance, though, before I let you go. Do you have anything uh, we need to know about Coach Brown that, that, that he likes to keep to himself, but we, we really should know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, coach. Uh, coach is a That's all you guys need to know. <laughs> oh, man, I was hoping to get some dirt. Come on, guy um, is a lawyer. You'll never get anything out of. Apparently, this this is we're gonna need to work on this. Uh, I'd ask you if I can get anything out of Ira, but he's apparently paying attention as well. So we'll be good uh, for right now. Um, coach, you know this tradition, but I'll start with Sam. We have a tradition. Any final thoughts to anybody who may be tuning in? Sam, we'll give you the first final word before coach. Well, I just want to thank you guys and uh, and, and uh, thank you guys and appreciate it. it's much appreciated. My story is meant to inspire people. That's the plan. I want to help as many people as I can with that story because there's a lot of people that don't know they can still strive and do the best they can. Um, and I just want to thank the Lord that I'm here today. Well, thank you, Sam. Uh, you, you should speak your story as as loudly as you can. It's a wonderful one, Coach. Final words from you. Like I always say, you guys do an unbelievable job of covering Division Three basketball. It really is special, the attention you guys bring to our level of basketball here in the country. Uh, I want to say good luck to all the other participants, and I want to thank our administration for the send-off they gave us this morning, and uh, we're just looking forward to playing tomorrow. I don't know if I believe you want good luck. I mean, I, I think you want to win. You wouldn't mind a few of them tripping up, maybe Union to start with? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no luck to anyone this weekend, but good luck to the guys in the other bracket. <laughs> Very well done. Very well said. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to, to go. I know you got practices to get to, so I appreciate it. Thank you, Sam, for sharing your story as well. Good luck this weekend, gentlemen. Look forward to talking to both of you because obviously Sam's going to be around a while. We'll talk to both of you in the future. Definitely. Well, Take care. Absolutely. Have a good evening. Take care. Mark Brown and Sam Tony joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Heck of a story from Sam, and thank you, Coach Brown, for the time he took as well to talk. Uh, they've got Union ahead. They're in Plattsburgh, of course. <laughs> There's a major storm on the East Coast, if you didn't know that already, folks. Um, I don't think it'll affect games up there, but you never know. They know how to handle things. If you're wondering, by the way, they're pretty much on the Canadian border. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, and we'll talk to uh, Gettysburg women's basketball coach Nate Davis. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. 
No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Again, thanks to Sam, Tony, and Mark uh, Brown for joining us here on the show. Appreciate them taking the time. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to contact us. We hope you'll take advantage of it. Um, Bob Quillman tweeting out, not related to the show, but it's a fascinating thing. He just found Illinois Wesleyan, and I believe that is, yeah, Worcester basketball, have combined for 88 all-time NCAA tournament victory wins. Uh, victory wins is redundant, I know. Uh, they're playing each other in the NCAA tournament. Let's switch gears, talk women's basketball. One of the teams I don't think has gotten a lot of attention. They're now 23rd ranked, but 25-2, and two, went 19-1 and one in the Centennial Conferences. Their lone loss to conference was Haverford back on January 9th. Their other loss out of conference to Elizabethtown. Okay, maybe that's a head-scratcher, 77-54. Otherwise, they beat all comers, and they're in the NCAA tournament. And they won the Centennial title. And now they'll play a pretty tough Albright squad and maybe a not-so-great matchup, but that's just our opinion. What to make of the Gettysburg women's team? Well, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, their head coach is Nate Davis. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. No problem, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Again, 25-2. and two. I saw my fair share of you guys this year by happenstance. I uh, saw you at the Palestra where you guys struggled a little bit with her sinus, a size inside, I think, had you guys a little bit miffed, but then I saw you at McDaniel. You didn't have any issues. Helps that there wasn't much size inside. But you also didn't seem to have much issues with other really good teams like Muhlenberg, Haverford, you split with them. You beat Hopkins this year. Did you guys have a better season than maybe people realized for whatever reason? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, we've obviously been really internally focused and not really worried about what others say. Um, and uh, because Obviously, we don't control that. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, I like that you said we didn't have much problem with Muhlenberg Haverford, but um, obviously those were highly competitive games. And we sure. found ways to win. Um, they're great programs and great teams. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think we did kind of fly under the radar, which is fine. Um, you know, again, 
uh, the only thing we can control is the game ahead of us. And, and I thought our players did a good job this year of just taking one game at a time and not looking too far ahead and just trying to, you know, put the best effort we could forward on, on any given night. No one knows. 25-2 and two is a, a program record. Um, you guys broke that. And, and Gettysburg women have been a pretty reputable program for quite some time. You took over a few years ago, and, and I think you've done what at least some of us in, in my position who know you well enough have done, and that is make them very successful. Are you about where you expected this program to be when you took over? Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, certainly I had hoped that we, we could, you know, build on the success that was already here and, and try to, you know, raise it to a, a new level. But, you know, I, I think all credit to the players. They, they're just doing a great job and executing and listening and, uh, you know, taking one game at a time, as I said. And, and so, uh, man, it's it, honestly, I don't think we've had a chance to reflect on how many games and records this year and all that stuff. And we've heard about it. Um, but honestly, like, I think we're all kind of just, you know, surprised that we're here because we just haven't looked that far ahead. You're led by, interestingly enough, Emma Dorschmeyer. Uh, she's averaging, hold on, I lost it. There it is, 14.5 points a game, 3.5 rebounds a game. It's the double-double of Emily Gibbons that tends to get all the attention, though she's second on the team at 13.5 points, but 11.5 rebounds. And then there's Ashley Guerin at 11.5 points as well. Everyone talks about Emily Gibbons, and she is certainly a, a heck of a talent. I'll talk about her in a minute. But Dorshawmeyer uh, and, and Garen, even Kendra Meredith and others, Meredith, your top assist uh, person, they really are the gel of this unit. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of our success this year um, in relation to last year, maybe the even year before, is that they were a little more balanced than we've been in the past, and I think that helps. Um, that we've had other people step up. And, you know, certainly Emily Gibbons is deserving of the recognition she gets. She's a phenomenal talent, a great person, and, and a great player. Um, but I think the ability of other people to step up on any given night has really made our team much more, uh, you know, dangerous this year and obviously has led to a lot of more, lot more success this year. One of the uh, quirks about Emily Gibbons that, it, that I'd love to have you explain to me is I see her interacting with you and the assistant coaches a lot during a game. <laughs> Uh, yeah. A basket goes in. She gives a look at you guys, uh, uh, <laughs> offensively or defensively. She has a look that looks of frustration. But as I've gotten to see it more and more, I also get a gather she's almost a coach on the court. She's looking at you to see, hey, I've got ideas, or do you have ideas? She's constantly looking to you, even when it's working. Is is that a fair <laughs> representation? Yeah, that's funny that you say that because we've actually had conversations about that and. Uh... You know, I, I tell her to not look as much as she does. And I, and I think it's, you know, we have a good relationship, and she's just a phenomenal kid. We we talk a lot in the office, and she's obviously, you know, one of the reasons why we're having the success is not only, again, her play, but just her attitude and just in her desire to really soak it up and learn all she can and, and to be the best she can on the floor. So I think that's a lot of what she's looking for is that possibly that approval or, you know, that – that uh, recognition of, hey, this is what we talked about, those kind of things. Mm. And, uh, you know, so honestly, sometimes I say, like, just go play. Stop mm -hmm. looking over here. Just go play. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think that's just a sign of just the relationship we have. And, and um, you know, obviously I'm really thankful and grateful that, that she's given me and our coaching staff that ability to coach her and, and to have that kind of influence on her. Let me back up and say, I don't normally, I don't necessarily see you guys respond to her every time. I just see her look <laughs> over with a, and make a comment. Um, yeah. Especially courtside next to you guys at the palestra. I sat there looking at my, whoever was, I was broadcasting with going, man, she just keeps looking. She's got ideas. 
Um, but at the <laughs> yeah, same time, that her sinus game bugged her. Uh, you, they had a player inside yeah. presence who was giving yep. it to her. She had yep. to make some adjustments. That was the first time I think I've seen her struggle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Lydia Cassandra, who you're referring to, she's a great player yeah. and uh, it does a great job. But, um, you know, I think that's, you know, Emily Gibbons cares and mm. uh, she wants to be the best she can and, and she wants to please the team. And, and uh, again, that's what makes her so great is that she really is into the game and, and wants to be the best she happens to be at any time. Looking at your schedule, obviously conference dominated. Um, you only lost that one game to Haverford. The game against Elizabethtown mm-hmm. definitely jumps out at me. I certainly yeah. know E Town. They had a. They were in a very tough landmark conference race. Finished yep. fifteen and ten, nine and five. What do we make yep. of that game? I know it's back on January or on December fourth, but I know it's probably still in your craw. And at the same time, I suspect <laughs> what they did wrong there is what you're still trying to avoid now. Absolutely. I mean, we we learned so much from that game, and that was our first loss of the year. Um, and uh, you know, th- those happen. And yeah. um, you know, again, not not to take anything away from Elizabethtown, they did a great job and. You know they made they made their shots. They played great D and and they played really hard. Um, but we you know we didn't bring it. Um, and um, I think the thing that we learned from that is you know about being tough players. And we got a chance to evaluate ourselves a little bit and, and, and what it takes to be successful and and really reflect on things that went wrong in that game um, and uh, to make some adjustments. And we grew a lot from that game, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to get to this place where we are. But you know you have to have those wake up calls sometimes and. And, um, you know, again, that's not to take anything away from E-Town. They're a good team and, and uh, tough to beat at their place, too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so uh, we'll, you know, we learned from it. And, you know, obviously we're at where we are now. So, um, obviously, hopefully we, we, we learned from that enough that uh, got us to where we are now. You guys will take on uh, Albright in the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament and, and just me, one of those games on the, in the bracket I wish hadn't happened. Um, yeah. mainly because it's two mid-Atlantic behemoths kind of taking on each other, though they didn't win the AQ. They're still a pretty good team. I know you know them well, yep. but what are you expecting from this game, and, and what do you think uh, you need to take advantage of? If And I know you're not going to give me any X's and O's, but just from a layman's <laughs> point of view. Yeah, well, I mean, from from the obvious point is, you know, they're an experienced team. Um, they've, they've been here, um, and uh, they've been in the tournament this with the third year in a row, and so they have a, a good group of seniors that are experienced and, and know what to expect. And, you know, that's probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, disadvantages we have is that, you know, we have a lot of new players that a lot of players that this is the first time for them, mm-hmm. actually everybody, you know. And so um, so that aspect there alone um, is going to present a challenge for us that, you know, can we relax and play the way we're capable of playing? Um, and that's beyond, obviously, the X's and O's and, and the personnel that, that um, Albright brings to the table. Um, they've got – some great players, you know, player of the year in their conference. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, again, that, that experience of, of being there and done that. And, you know, two years ago they were in the Sweet 16, last mm-hmm. year the second round. So they've, they've played their their share of tournament games. And Coach Luck does a great job with their teams. And, and uh, so it's going to be a it's going to be a tough game. There's no doubt about it. I've been told Janice Luck is not listening to the show whatsoever, so you can say whatever you need to say. <laughs> um, but that said, how do you think you match up with them? Uh, are you a, are you similar in ways in the way you guys play inside, outside, physicality? How do you how do you think you play, match up style wise and and uh, just you know not like I think we have the better center, but just in the way you guys play the game. <laughs> yeah, and I think in a lot of ways we play pretty similar. Mm. Um, one of the things is we are evaluating them um, on tape is is to see you know some of the offenses they run, you know, what they look to do. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities to the teams, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, there are some differences in positions, you know. Um, 
you know, I don't think we have anybody on our team that's quite like, uh, you know, Lofton from, from, uh, for them. But at the same token, you know, we have some players that I don't think are quite similar for them either. Obviously, Emily Gibbons and Emma Dorsheimer. I mean, every, I think it's going to be about players. I think if players step up and make plays, uh, whoever they, you know, does that for either team is, is going to be the difference in the game. Um, and, uh, but they, but they have some great players, as I said. I, I think they match up. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I really do. Of course, you're playing these games at Montclair, and Montclair for the mm-hmm. last five years has basically been at home <laughs> in the opening weekend. But they're they're vulnerable yeah. as too. I know you haven't looked that far ahead, but Old Westbury and Montclair are on the other side of things. Um, what do you think you need to do to just get out of the weekend? Man, you know, again, I, I think it really comes down to us playing the way we're capable of playing. Um, I think if we do that, um, you know, we can compete with anybody on any given night. We really believe that, and, and I think we've shown that we've you know played some really good teams and. And played in some big games, you know, the conference championship, I think, gives our kids some confidence to know that they can, you know, uh, play in a big game and, and get a championship. And I think that was a great boost for us. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Montclair is another team that's been there with the last six years, you know, like you said, um, they've hosted. So, um, so I think that's going to be just the biggest challenge is for us to settle in and play the way we're capable of playing. If we do that, you know, I, I trust that we'll be in games and have a chance to win them at the end. You took over how long ago with this program? Uh, this is my third year. This is your third there. season, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they certainly weren't unfamiliar with being successful, but not consistency. What was the biggest thing you had needed to change or, or adjust at Gettysburg to lead to what we now see is what looks like pretty consistent basketball and pretty good basketball? Yeah. Um, that's, well, that's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, I think, honestly, just – changing maybe expectations um, about, you know, uh, what it's going to require to be great um, and uh, just demanding that of them and not not settling. Again, that's – and I think probably Coach Kirkpatrick, my predecessor, uh, felt the same way too. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I have done anything much different. It, you know, maybe it's just my, you know, vision of where we want to be and where we want to go. And um, But um, at the end of the day, the players, the players have to buy in. The players have to do this do what we ask them to do and, and they're the ones who make the shots and play defense yeah. and rebound and all those things so I, I i i'm always very reluctant to take very much credit because <laughs> at the end of the day they, they do that they do the job well you're also a former marine i can i can see a lot of reasons why you won't take credit because it's everybody else who puts it in but how much of that old marine is in you when you coach <laughs> um i you know I, I don't see it but i'm sure my players probably see it at times um, I, you know, I, for me, it's just who I am. So I don't really, yeah. I don't really look at it as, as something different. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if it comes out, but I'm sure if you ask my former players or players, <laughs> current players, they'll be like, yeah, he's definitely, you know, maybe that comes across to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're also the the one on the receiving end. It, it always feels different on the receiving end that you may, you might true. not have had any Marine in you and they're going to say something. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the knowledge of them knowing that leads into that right you know? i mean there's lots of tough coaches out there who, <laughs> yeah. who, who weren't former marines but i get that thrown on me yeah exactly yeah. exactly well coach i appreciate you taking time out of your busy night i know you're still getting ready to play albright tomorrow and there's plenty to do still ahead so i appreciate you taking some time um congratulations to the team on where you guys have gotten to and good luck this weekend as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in yeah, definitely. You know, uh, obviously, I always say this to you, Dave, but I really appreciate the, the work you guys do with D3Hoops.com. But uh, today I also want to say, you know, we had a great um, group of people in our athletic department at Gettysburg College that sent us off today. And I tell you, that just meant the world to the team. So 
So I would definitely give uh, those people back to Gettysburg College a, a shout-out for, for doing that for us as we left today. It made us feel like a big family there, so it was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations. Thanks again. Take care and good luck. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Absolutely. You too. Nate Davis joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. By the way, the moments I notice he's a Marine is during the National Anthem. I know that seems pretty obvious, but um, he stands still at attention, and it's always something I, I, I happen to notice, mainly because I've been standing or sitting near him at, at a lot of recent National Anthems that he's around. So uh, thank Nate for coming on. Big battle there. You know, I don't love that that Albright matchup. I really wish we could have avoided those two teams in the first round. And uh, kind of like the DePaul trine matchup. I think there were ways we could have avoided that, but it didn't happen. So be it. Uh, that is what it is. Uh, they will play each other in the first game. Montclair takes on Old Westbury in the second game. Winners take each other on on Saturday. And again, Montclair has hosted like five straight, mainly because they're one of the best teams in the Atlantic region. But um, in the last couple of years, they've shown vulnerabilities and haven't gotten out of the weekend. So don't don't just chalk this one up to Montclair. I think Gettysburg's got a real chance. So does Albright. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to Barry, men's basketball coach, Coach Rogers. Barry's in the tournament as the eighth seed from the SAA with a below 500 record. Yeah, they earned their way in, and we will talk to them about it. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Hoopsville as we get uh, ready for the start of the NCAA basketball tournaments. They get going on the men's side tomorrow at 1 o'clock is the first game, as we mentioned, Yeshiva taking on York due to religious restrictions. Um, then on the other side of it, it is um, women will start at their usual time, which I think is 5 o'clock for our earliest game. Everything's on D3Hoops.com. If you want to watch a game, check in there. You certainly can find the links that you need. There's plenty of ways to follow the action around the country. Just remember, though, no whip around this year. Maybe we'll come back next year as we reevaluate how we pull it off. All right, so one of the stories of the tournament are the Barry Vikings. Eighth seed in the SAA. They go and beat the top seed center, 97-93. Then they beat Birmingham Southern, 97-76. In the meantime, they then took on Hendricks, who was the seventh seed in the conference championship game, and beat them 88-78. As a result, yes, there is an 11-17 and team in the, in the tournament. And yes, it's the eighth seed from the SAA. Listen, this is why conference tournaments are built, to give teams a chance. But we don't normally see, I think Warburg last year was the biggest kind of upset scenario. They were still an above 500 team. They were the 16th in the IAAC and took full advantage of it all the way to the second weekend of the tournament. So maybe there's an outside chance Barry could do the same and make a run all the way to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Of course, they're going to have to take on Emory, the number six team in the country. So let's get the uh, thoughts on their head coach, the Barry Vikings. Jeff Rogers joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, congratulations on an absolute, for lack of better description, improbable run to the NCAA tournament here. Yeah, thank you, Dave. It's, uh, it's been a fun week. Yeah, I can I can see that. Now, it had to start with center. You had to get past the number one seed. You did. I don't know if you got the memo. You lost to him the previous time, 95-66. Did you not understand your role in the SAA tournament? <laughs> well, Dave, you know, it's, uh, as long as they keep giving us the opportunity to play 25 games to get ready for one, uh, we're going to embrace that. Well, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, you also lost 84-61 earlier. What was different in that game? You know, I think uh, I think for us it was it was just a matter of continuing to grow uh, over the course of the season. Um, we we spend a lot of time talking about uh, who we are culturally as a program, and a big part of that is to go out and try and get better every day. And um, we felt like we did that. We you know finished the season very well connected um, as a team uh, and guys the credit goes to guys man they just kept uh, they kept coming to work every day and clocking in and uh, you know doing the things we asked them to do so I think our run was probably very improbable for anybody watching from the outside but I can promise you there were 20 people that never once stopped believing you took over in April 2013 of this Barry program you're not unfamiliar with the SAA um since then it's it's been a little rough but it's been a continuous build um you guys have continually gotten better every year and i know that's half of this this battle this could only be um a shot in the arm as it were no matter what happens against emory it's got to be a shot in the arm and to help build this program to where you want it because now you can turn to guys and go see i told you well, you know, I think uh, I think the hardest part about um, building any type of program is is just getting over 
that hump of learning how to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've known all along that, uh, you know, I've got some really talented players and I've got guys that play really, really hard every day. And, um, you know, all along we felt like collectively as a group we're, we're doing things the right way. Um, but it, it takes conquering that six inches between the ears a lot of times. <laughs> Um, to really get over that hump. And I think, if anything, our, our little run during the late season here has, has helped us start to believe in ourselves. I'm curious. Obviously, the oddity of the whole thing was you were playing Hendricks in the championship game, and they were doing the exact same thing you were uh, as a seven seed. Um, so I think a lot of us thought maybe the, this, the earth might stop on its axis by the end of that game. Um <laughs> What was it like to realize that this was going to be a championship, you know, at that final horn? What was what was the first thing that went through your head? You know, I, I guess the first thing I thought was uh, I would take this seven seed and eight seed against the seventh and eighth seed of any other conference in the country. Um, Hendricks was playing really, really well at the time. Um, and there's a lot of parity in our league. It, it's been that way over over the course of the entire season, and, um, it, it was really just a matter of who was hot at, at the right time. And, um, you know, fortunately that, that went our way. You get to cut down the nets. I, I'm assuming that wasn't practiced. Uh, I heard someone jokingly tell me that they figured it out, uh, when they needed to go cut them down. I assume you guys quickly figured out how to cut those babies down. We did. We wondered what they put those big ladders underneath there for, <laughs> but, uh, after we stood around for a little while, um, I think soaking it in, uh, you know, we, we enjoyed that moment. Yeah. So now you got to take on the sixth-ranked uh, Emory team, um, who's a behemoth. You know them well. You guys are from that area. It's not like uh, the South doesn't know Southern teams. What do you expect in this one tomorrow? You know, we're excited um, on a lot of different levels. We, uh, a couple of years ago, as part of the process, I think, of trying to get our program to this stage, um, you know, we scheduled Emory. So we we played here last season. Um, we faced them at our place this year. We're familiar with them. Um, you know, I think our guys are just excited about having the opportunity to still be playing basketball. Um, you know, we, we're we not afraid of the moment. Um, you know, we don't feel like we've got any pressure on us, obviously. So uh, we're going to go out there and play hard and have a good time and uh, see if we can't extend the season another day uh certainly extending the season another day is at this point you're playing with house money as they say uh it can't get any any better have you had a have you given the guys any time to enjoy this or how much time did you give them until you finally checked back into reality about how this has to be about work now you know i think it was good for us uh to get away today and and have that opportunity to practice and kind of get back uh as as a group um it was it was such uh an exciting time when we got back to campus and just the way we were embraced and and the story is a good story and i think a couple of days of getting patted on the back it's easy to lose your focus so when we were able to kind of get back together as a group and get on a bus and even though it was a short ride down to Atlanta, um, it's been good for us. I, I saw that look back in our eyes in practice today that we had last weekend. Um, so it's real encouraging going into tomorrow. Tell us a little bit about your team. Who I mean, I can look at the stat sheet and see that you got three guys in double figures. 
led by a, a senior in Caleb Johnson and a junior in Eliza Hirsch and, uh, and a junior in Miles Moore. But tell us the team from your point of view. You know, we're a veteran team. Um, so this is year five for me here. My first recruiting class uh, is comprised of our six seniors. Mm-hmm. So they're not only a veteran team, they're a veteran team that has basically played uh, every minute for four years. You know, they're, uh, they've been in a lot of situations. They're prepared. Um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think that's the core of who we are uh, on the court. And then we've been very fortunate to add some talented players along with them. Um, but I think the, the best thing about our team is, is they're a very, very close-knit family. Um, you know, they, they don't care where the credit goes. They don't care who scores the points. Um, their focus is truly every day on, on, you know, playing the game for the glory to go to the Lord and for the credit to go to each other. And, uh, it's just, it's just a great culture to be a part of. Well, it's an amazing story. Uh, we've seen some deep seeds make some incredible runs, but, uh, I don't think I've ever seen an eight take on a seven and then the eight win, and now you're in the NCAA tournament. I, it's tremendous. I, I, I applaud your team. You took advantage of the opportunities presented. This is what the tournament's designed to do, and here you are representing the SAA. Now, have any of the other coaches even talked to you? Are they ignoring you guys? They probably don't want anything <laughs> to do with you right now, right? <laughs> no, no, no. We've we've had great support, and, uh, you know, it, it's been nice uh, – to have the people that have reached out to us and, and wished us well. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – we don't feel like we're a circus sideshow. Sure. We feel, like, we feel like we deserve to be here. Um, you know, we're – we feel like we're a contender. Well, and, and you know what? That's what got you through the SAA. It's, it, it works to some degree, and we have to applaud that, and that's outstanding. Uh, congratulations. You're taking on Emory, and we look forward to watching that game and seeing how it plays out. Uh, I, I tip my hat to be sure. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, Dave, I just want to thank you for, for everything you guys do for Division Three Hoops. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this time of year that uh, all of us guys at the D3 level get to feel like we're a, a little bigger than what we are. Um, and it's, it's this things like this type of media exposure and the things the NCAA does for us when we travel that, that really give our guys that experience. So we appreciate it, and you're doing a great job. Thanks a bunch. Well, thank you, Jeff. Good luck. Enjoy the uh, hot Atlanta, as it were. It's been a little hotter than usual recently. And uh, we look forward to seeing how you're doing, and more importantly, I look forward to catching up with you down the road as, as this turns into something even bigger. All right, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Jeff Rogers joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. His uh, Viking squad again taking on Emory. Uh, in 7.30 tip for them down there at Emory. Of course, six-ranked team, 11-17. and 17. They finished 3-11, but they won the three most important games. That was in the Centennial Conference Tournament. By the way, we should point out on back-to-back-to-back days, 23rd, 24th, and 25th. That's the other challenge with that SAA. So congratulations to them. Hats off. And hats off to Hendricks, too. They were the seventh seed in that game. Both teams getting uh, the job done, as it were, uh, against the rest of the conference, and uh, pretty impressive. We're going to take another break. 
When we return, we will go to the WBCA Center court segment, and we will talk to another SAA squad. just happens to be the way things worked out. Oglethorpe's Alex Ritchie will join us. He'll talk about not only the team and being in the NCAA tournament, but also his work on the WBCA poll committee, his work as a conference uh, captain, but also what he has done now in the offseason that is so important with other coaches. It is a who's who list of coaches that he now works with along with student athletes. It's a tremendous story. You really should tune in. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope right after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Now joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline is part of the W. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry about that. Had a little glitch trying to fix, a, fix the file. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us, and we hope you'll take advantage of them. We're on this Thursday edition prior to the start of the NCAA tournaments and games and all of that stuff, so there's plenty to discuss, um, including who's in the tournament and how they're doing, which has pretty much been the theme. But one of those teams that's in the tournament is two SAA squads. We happen to be going back to fourth here with two SAA teams. The other one on the women's side is Oglethorpe, 21-7. and seven. They're actually having, kind of like Nate Davis and Gettysburg, 
a bit of a breakout season this year that I don't think a lot of people have been paying attention to. Stormy Petrels um, haven't won 20-plus games since 2009 when they were 27-4 and and playing in the SCAC, where they finished 12-2. and They have been below 500 until last year when they were 15-12, and 8-6. and Alex Ritchie has helped turn this program around. Uh, they went on to win the conference tournament. They've only lost two, three games since the turn of the new of the new year, of those seven that they've lost total, including triple back to backs against Millsaps, Barry, and Hendricks in the conference tournament. We talked about on back to back to back days, um, which of course the win over Barry in the semifinals was big because it avenged the loss they had to Barry to finish off the regular season. They've got Thomas Moore ahead in the conference tournament. Earlier today, I talked to Alex Ritchie from Oglethorpe as part of our WBCA Center court segment. Talked to him about a number of things about the tournament, but also talked about his work with the WBCA and his work with a who's who list of coaches during the offseason. Again, we talked to him earlier today. Now joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline is part of the WBCA Center court. It's the Oglethorpe head coach, Alex Ritchie. Coach, thanks again and welcome back to the uh, Center Court. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time, especially as we should point out, pre-taping this as you are headed north. Um, I believe you're headed north, right? <laughs> I'm losing yep, track of where everybody's headed. Heading north. We're on the road right now. Just got out of lunch with a good group. Very excited to go up to Kentucky and take on Thomas Moore for our uh, NCAA tournament matchup tomorrow night. Yeah, tough matchup to say the least, but you guys are in the tournament. you got to be thrilled with how the your uh, Stormy Petrels have done this season. Yeah, it's been a really surreal week, and, you know, this is our first NCAA tournament in a long time, and my first NCAA tournament, you know, as a player and now as a coach. Uh, so we're just really uh, savoring this opportunity to go play one of the powerhouses in Division Three athletics and um, looking forward to the opportunity to hopefully make a good name for ourselves this weekend. Sure. Um, yeah, first time for you, certainly. Um, what's been the most eye-opening part of the last week? Oh, man, it's been nonstop. Uh, just trying to come off the, the high of uh, winning your conference tournament and having the opportunity to do that at home was so special and having so many former players and their families and a great crowd all weekend in Atlanta. You know, it was 80 degrees in our gym this weekend, so oh, definitely hot uh, all weekend in hot Atlanta. And um, getting that experience for our young women has been just absolutely incredible for them. And the support that we've gotten from our community has just been uh, so special, and so we uh, we know how rare it is for these opportunities to come about, and we're hoping that they come with more regularity. Um, but at the same time, we're we're savoring this moment, this opportunity for our group. Uh, certainly, uh, eighty degrees down in Atlanta in February not the norm, uh, even <laughs> if it much. is hot, Atlanta. Um, <laughs> yeah. A little of us, some of us are a little disappointed in this winter. Anyway, we digress. Um, Certainly winning and getting in and getting that AQ is a, is a huge step for the program. You guys have been building for a little bit of while here. You do have a tough opponent here in Thomas Moore. You're not necessarily um, entering the tournament with anything but an e anything that would be described as an easy game. How are you guys uh, looking against the Saints? What do, you, what do you expect from them? Yeah, you know, they're one of the best programs in the country year in and year out. And Coach Hans does a terrific job. I'm very impressed watching them on film and Coach Jeff and I have gotten to talk on the phone a couple times over the last couple of years, and uh, I'm looking forward to spending some time with him, hopefully over the weekend. And, um, you know, uh, their group is really special. Shoot the ball great, good size, very well balanced, uh, and just play with a ton of confidence, and that's to be said because they've, they've been here before. So we're going to play with a lot of uh, – we're going to play loose and just play our game and put a great effort forward. Our, uh, our team's really excited and really focused on the task at hand, and 
you know, we played a really tough non-conference schedule going to Wash U this year, going to Guilford this year, playing Emory and Henry, playing Piedmont, some teams that have been in the tournament. And, uh, we know that, uh, you know, if we, if we play a good game and our, our strategy and style, uh, we can compete with anybody and we're just going to try to do our best to, uh, give them a, a great test. So, uh, that's something that we're looking forward to, uh, come tomorrow night. Yeah, you certainly had a, a, a fascinating schedule outside of what we normally see. Wash U, as you point out, was only an 11-point game. Um, you played Guilford to overtime, lost by two. You played Transylvania this year, lost by 13. Nothing shabby about that. In conference, you only dropped three games. Those three games all coming since the new year. Um, really, and, and more importantly, finished two games ahead of what has been the conference kind of standard in, in Hendricks and Rhodes. You've got to be really thrilled with where this team has evolved from last year's 15 and 12 and where it was not that long ago at a sole five wins. Yeah, you know, it's kind of been a rags to riches program over the last four years, and we're, uh, we're just excited about the direction that we're moving and continuing to progress as a team and a program. And uh, we've got a really young core that uh, we're bringing them back, a ton of pieces going into next year, too. And I don't even really want to talk about next year as we're <laughs> trying to focus on the weekend. But, uh, you know, it's just been really exciting to see the growth of these young women year in and year out with the effort and the hard work that they put in every year to, to put this program back on the map. And uh, we know when I when I first took the job, there was a vision of this program. And to see those goals being reached and um, continuing to progress is just something that I couldn't be happier about. And, you know, our, our university is really excited about that, too. So We'll talk more about the team uh, at the end here. But uh, this is the WBCA Center Court segment. Gives us a chance to talk to coaches about more what they do than just the X's and O's. And you were part of the segment last January, but we thought we'd come back on because your role at the WBCA or what you're doing with the WBCA has certainly grown. You've been a conference captain for about four years now, and now you're on the poll committee. First, the conference captainship, which we've talked about in the past. You, you have a lot of responsibilities there of making sure those in, the, uh, in your conference <laughs> who are part of the WBCA are, are kind of kept up to speed. Yep, and, uh, you know, what we've really tried to push this year is just more involvement at convention, which happens in a couple of weeks in Columbus. And uh, we're looking forward to, obviously, another great convention. Last year's convention was terrific. And so just from our conference's standpoint, uh, just looking for more participation from our group to get up to Columbus and uh, network and spend some time with one another outside of, you know, just on the court and on the competition. And I think that's really important. And our league uh, itself has a great number of coaches uh, that have a ton of respect for one another each other all uh, get along really well and uh, we have some new faces in the conference that are you know uh, developing coaches that are going to be terrific and not to say I'm not either you know I'm still 29 so I've got a long way to go <laughs> myself but um, you know we've got uh, Lauren Sumsky, Lauren a formerly Lauren Avan who was an All-American uh, started her first year at Rhodes and she's going to be a fantastic young coach uh, developing and did a great job at Rhodes this year and coach Johnson uh, had moved over from the men's side who I had known him from the men's side and um, you know, he spent his first year at Barry and his program really developed as the year went along. And, you know, some of the staples of our program, Wendy Austin Robinson from center and Drew Gang, who is an absolute superstar in our league um, as a coach. You know, it's, it's really good to have that respect and uh, friendship across the board uh, for all of our coaches in our league. And, um, so, you know, that's something that we've tried to do as, uh, as a conference captain myself is just try to get people involved in, in uh, different aspects that WBCA provides. and um, They provide such great resources for all of us, so we want to take advantage of that. When you talk about the captaincy, 
How how much of the time does that take? I mean, is that one of those where you know, kind of like my wife is uh, is the room mom of of her school? She's got to send out an email every couple of weeks, just reminding people, or is there is it a little bit more involved? Uh, you know, it's the certainly we we make sure like the minutes from our meetings are getting passed around, but I think uh, more importantly, what I've tried to do is just uh, keep in contact with our coaches about anything that's going on, and just keep them in mind and all that type of stuff. So whenever we've played. On the road, I'm constantly asking, hey, are you guys planning on going to Columbus and being a part of this? And For the most part, we're, we're looking at a pretty good participation rate from our coaches this year. So that, that's been my big uh, point of emphasis this year. Uh, but there's so many great things at convention that I've always tried to be a part of. Uh, the coaches' mentorship program, I always serve as a mentee and a mentor on that with young coaches. Um, you know, young head coaches, young assistant coaches are trying to move up to become head coaches. But, you know, like I said, I've got a ton of room to grow, too. So I always uh, try to try to get in one of those sessions as a mentee as well. And, um, you know, we have um, some coaches huddles that go on throughout the year that the WBCA provides. And, um, you know, I've, I've been able to be a part of those the last two years and just continue to learn from other programs that have had some success. And um, it's just all about development. I'm a huge believer of being a lifelong learner in this profession. And um, I think uh, that's, that's how you avoid complacency is just continuing to learn and grow. The other thing you're involved in this year for the first time is you're on the poll committee. Uh, if no one's familiar in women's basketball, there's two poles in Division Three: the WBCA and the D3 hoops, where it's just, mm-hmm. there, there's just one on the men's side. Um, that's it, Remind me of the particulars, because I, I know it's one that I know the D, WBCA has talked about improving in the past, and, and I believe still to this date. There's basically one representative from each region that's an eight-member yep. committee. Am I correct? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, and we did a really good job, especially at the beginning of the season, as we tried to develop um, some kind of teams on who to watch for uh, throughout the year, which was really important as we're getting a familiarity with each uh, with each region. And for example, I stay in touch with Kristen Dowling at uh, Claremont Mudscripts, who's a good friend of mine. Um, and we uh, we talk uh, specifically about our specific regions, as she's very familiar with the West, and I've become more familiar with the South. And uh, for us to kind of have a better feel of those uh, teams that are playing well out west and you know, who's returning who and all those types of things, which is uh, hugely important as you're trying to make those early season selections. Uh, but a lot of the coaches that are on that committee are doing a really good job with that. And once you get through that first uh, first poll, you get a little bit better feel on uh, some teams as things start to shape up. But we had some teams, you know, uh, one of the teams in our, in our pod uh, this weekend, uh, Juniata had a great uh, start to the year mm-hmm. and went on a roll, and then they got into the – D3 poll, they got into the WBCA poll, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing them, uh, you know, up close and personal as I get to sit on that board again next year. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that we can all talk about in terms of, uh, you know, getting a little bit more love for the South region and um, doing some things like that. And I've gotten to see some great teams in the South um, all year long that um, I think the South is getting stronger. And, uh, you know, there's some teams that are on the come up that uh, hopefully we can keep an eye on for the next couple of years. Do you have a South committee then that you oversee, or is it just the eight of you on a national level? So it's the eight of us on a national level. So I spend a significant amount of time researching ball games and watching Oof. a lot of ball games. Which you know, I'm I'm a basketball junkie. You know, I'm not watching as much uh, NBA and uh, WNBA and stuff as I as I used to. If I'm watching a lot of late night Division three games, and you know, I, I'm just a basketball junkie. So I'll watch a, a ton of those games and even go back and watch some. And, now that I've been able to make some friends with some pretty high-level coaches that are in that top 25 group, it's been nice to follow their teams and 
um, and see what's going on in different regions around the country as you try to learn and uh, get your program specifically to that level. Let me just to be a devil's advocate for you, especially considering you're one member in the South region, which goes from Texas to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, D3 Hoops, we have 25 voters for the most part, three members in each region. We try and be as national as possible, get as many voices as possible. Yep. Is it worth, from the WBCA's point of view, of having more than one member from each region kind of be a part of that and, and expand out and have as many eyeballs, as it were, involved to give the poll a little bit more depth? Yeah, I think that would obviously be great. Um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And, um, I think obviously when you have more eyeballs on the situation, you can get a better, more accurate feel for, for what's going on and maybe maybe take a little bit of the bias out of that type of stuff. But um, a lot of the – there wasn't much difference between a lot of the polling that I saw this year between the two polls, um, which I think is, is a pretty indicative of the fact that you've got a lot of coaches – um, that are serving on these committees that are familiar with a lot of the, mm-hmm. the powerhouses and great programs that uh, are um, contributing year in and year out in D3 basketball. So. No, I agree. The, the women's basketball poll, when compared to some other coaches' polls in some other sports, that could we could go down a rabbit hole on, on, <laughs> on my thoughts yeah, there. Sure. Women's basketball certainly does a, a pretty bang-up job. You, you talk about getting to know the coaches on that committee, and it's a who's who list. Well, you're also involved in a program that's a who's who list. I just want to name the coaches first, then we'll talk about what the whole group's involved. Brian Morehouse yeah. from Hope, and uh, Kristen Dowling, as you mentioned, from CMS, Adrian Scheibel's at Bowdoin, Casey Kusham. Uh, Kushiamea uh, from Puget Sound, who we had on the preseason. Stephanie Stevens from Gallaudet, who's been on a show before. Even some men's coaches and John Tower and Glenn Robinson. This was a an international group that, or not an international group, but an international trip that you took with this group of who's who coaches to Spain for a group called Beyond Sports. How in the world do you get a group like that together, and what do, what is its purpose? A lot of wins and a lot of conference championships on that tour. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to say that now I've got one of those, uh, so I feel like I'm <laughs> contributing to the group a little bit more now, which is great. Good, good, uh, good. Man, i got to tell you, it was just an unbelievable experience and made some lifelong friends. And I immediately get back uh, to my to my home and to my wife, and I'm buying John Towers' psychological books uh, on Amazon and uh, just some of those com- late night conversations about leadership and accountability and, um, you know, just some of the friendships and bonding that was made on that, that excursion was, uh, something that I'll remember forever. It was certainly the best professional development. You know, we win the conference championship on Sunday and I, I hear from Coach Mo and I hear from, uh, Adrian, you know, immediately following the game who had been following considering they'd already clinched their bids and Burke, um, and all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, uh, it was just really exciting to have that uh, support system of some folks that are super successful in this profession that we share. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to this summer um, going on another trip with my wife and Coach Morehouse is bringing his wife and we're going to Italy with Beyond again. And um, I know Coach Adrian and even I think Jeff Hans, who I'm going to talk to about that uh, as we get up here to, to Thomas Moore today, uh, is going the following week on a trip with Adrian. So, um, you know, it's just been an unbelievable experience to have those opportunities to learn and grow. And as a young coach to just really, uh, I'm trying not to jot these uh, notes that they're putting down on a, on a cocktail napkin, but that's what I felt like I was doing all weekend and, and all week and uh, learned a ton and I'm um, looking forward to growing and these lifelong relationships that I'll have with some of these amazing people that, you know, they're, they're so great. They're such great coaches, but 
they're such amazing people uh, as well. And, you know, Casey had just gotten his uh, appointment to Puget Sound. He was my roommate mm-hmm. for the entirety of the trip. Um, and just, you know, how impressive uh, to, to meet and spend time with these people. And a funny story, Kristen Dowling and I, um, our flights were originally canceled because of a plane malfunction in New York City. And Kristen and I had to navigate uh, NYC with about 60 undergrads and get them set up for hotels and new flights. Oh. Uh, so we've got that story for the rest of our life. And, um, you know, it's just it was an amazing experience. Yeah, I, I can imagine. You, you get to be overseas. You get to kind of immerse yourself in sport. I know the, the idea of Beyond Sport is to try and change the world through sport. But at the same time, yep. you're involved with a, a bunch of coaches who certainly know what they're talking about. Um, oh, yeah. And and you also get to pick their brain, but also get to befriend them as well. That's got to be a unique part of it. Yeah, it was terrific. And, like, for example, Coach Morehouse is bringing his Hope team down to play at Oglethorpe in our Holiday Classic next year, and that's going to be a, an absolute uh, joy to, to compete against them. And I'm actually bringing our, our old friend from the SAA, Chuck Winkleman, down. So we'll have <laughs> Hope and Calvin um, wow. And I'm playing them in back-to-back nights, and people might be shaking their heads and thinking, what were you thinking when you did that scheduling? But you weren't. Hopefully that, hopefully that gives us a little respect to know that we'll play anybody anywhere, and um, it'll be a great experience for our young women. And uh, bringing uh, down Calvin and Hope to Atlanta in, uh, in December when it's uh, great weather uh, could be a great experience for their teams as well. So for the, for the maybe record. We get, maybe we get D3 hoops down there to, to check oh, that there tournament you go. out. For the record, you will play anyone at your place, is what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, this year I went to Wash U and I went to yeah, Transylvania. No. <laughs> so maybe I'll take a couple home games next there year. Well, hey, them playing on the black floor, that could be yeah, uh, sure. fascinating, uh, to say the least. You may have an advantage in that, in that department. Well, this might be hard to, to put you on the spot, but beyond sport, I mean, what is its core value in the grand scheme of things, and, and why is that so important? You know, I think it um, at our level, it's super important for these young people to experience different cultures and get outside yeah. of their comfort zone and meet different people. Um, and I think Beyond Sports does a terrific job. The guy's name is Josh Erickson. He played Division Three basketball, coached Division Three basketball. Um, so he's very familiar with that, with that structure and, and the, the opportunities. Uh, we do a community service project on the trip and, you know, um, a lot of sightseeing. And we went to Barcelona and uh, we went to Madrid, and we spent some time in Valencia. And so these, these young people are meeting new folks from across the country, playing some hoops. Uh, but, you know, it's bigger than the basketball component, too. And um, Just seeing a different part of the world and their undergrad experience, something that they'll never forget. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough to be a part of it. Um, now you've translated it into a conference tournament opportunity, or I should say conference championship, and into the NCAA tournament opportunity, which is, is important to f- – in many ways, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the fact that your women are getting a, uh, an opportunity to go play Thomas Moore in the NCAA tournament when that hasn't been something this program's done. You've got a freshman leading the way in Savannah Legate at 14 points a game, Jada Triplett, a junior, at 11 points, Lauren Ransom, a junior, 8 and a 7, 8.7, Taylor Dodson, sophomore, 8.2, sophomore in Sydney Long, junior in, 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 in Bailey Charles. Yeah, we talk about returning players for next year. It's pretty obvious yeah. they're going to get a wealth of experience, win or lose, coming up this weekend. Yeah, you know, um, it's been a special just to see their growth and development. Um, you know, we'll be un- unfortunately we'll be without Triplett this weekend. He hurt her knee about a month ago and had an, uh, had a surgery and is coming back strong. She's a super hard worker, so we're looking forward to having her back next season for her senior year. 
Um, and she's a fantastic talent and actually was on that beyond trip with us as well. So, um, she's had that experience before and, uh, you know, we're just, we're, I'm heartbroken the fact that she doesn't get to play in this one, but our goals will be remain the same for us hopefully to get back next year and, uh, for her to be able to experience that on the floor, um, to say, um, you know, we've got a special group. It's an understatement. They're fantastic, uh, young women from top to bottom, great in the classroom as you know, you and I have talked about in the past. Um, great off the court, um, involved in different things on campus and really representing Oglethorpe in a terrific way. Um, you know, I couldn't be more proud of their success on the court, but I'm probably more proud of the fact that they're like a 3-4, 3-5 GPA as a team wow. and have been the last two years. So getting it done as the, the full total student athlete has been the, the biggest joy in my, my tenure for them. Uh, but, you know, for them to achieve this goal and to be a part of that has been really special. But, you know, we're excited about what the future has in store for them and uh, looking forward to obviously putting our best foot forward and competing with a great team uh, and hopefully uh, extending our season as long as we can. Yeah, it kind of puts some of us old former uh, student-athletes to shame, to say the least. Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> they look at my tra- If they ever took a look at my transcripts, I know they'd be uh, giving me a hard time about that, too. So. Yeah, yeah, don't even mention mine. Um, <laughs> win or lose, this is a win, right? Um, yeah, I'm very proud of them. You know, uh, we set high goals for our program, and we're really excited about where we are um, and where we can go. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity to see us on a national stage. There's no doubt about that. And playing against a great team. Every time we've uh, gone on the court, we've left it all on the floor, and that's going to be our intentions all weekend long. Well, congratulations uh, on yeah. everything, not only the conference championship, the NCAA tournament, but also what you're doing for the game of basketball and for your student-athletes and others. I appreciate you taking the time. Normally we'd ask you the questions that come with the center court, you've already answered those. We can go back to the archives if we want to go check those out. Maybe in a couple of years we can see how much they've changed, but we don't need to a year later. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in that case, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just want to thank you for all that you're doing for Division Three Athletics, Division Three Hoops. Uh, you know, I watch the show and listen to the show uh, almost every, every time it's on. So uh, we just want to thank you for including our program in your segment bring a little notoriety to Stormy Petro basketball, and we're really excited about being back and um, getting back to that national level, and we're looking forward to uh, the opportunity to compete this weekend, and um, hopefully it's going to be a great experience for our young women in our in our school. Absolutely. At the very least, enjoy it. Uh, you get to see some good basketball in the other game as well, and uh, you get to look at one of the best programs in the country and maybe get a chance to knock them off. That's, uh, yeah. that, at least you have that chance, as they say. Uh, yeah, Coach, thank thanks you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Safe travels. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Dave. Thank you. Absolutely. He's Alex Ritchie joining us from Oglethorpe in the WBCA Center Court on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And thanks again to Coach for joining us on the show in the WBCA Center Court. Fascinating conversation with him. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll keep rolling along. We still have uh, plenty of other topics to talk about. Dan Engelstad from Southern Vermont will join us. Then Ken Scalmanini from Claremont Mud Scripps. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, 
won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this Thursday, we will go a little long tonight, but not too bad. As we continue to have coaches we want to talk to. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you go up in the Northeast region, one of the teams we talked about a lot in past years is Southern Vermont. Haven't talked much about them this year. They went through and won the NECC once again this year, and they're into the tournament. They'll take on a pretty tough foe in Wesleyan. Wesleyan may be taking on a pretty tough foe in the Mountaineers. Dan Engelstad, known to have a pretty good team with good talent. What can he do with that talent? He joined me earlier today to talk about his squad and what he expects from the NCAA tournament and what he expects when they face off against the 15th-ranked Cardinals as well. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach for Southern Vermont, it is Dan Engelstad. And Dan, once again, congratulations on making the NCAA tournament. Dave, thanks so much. Always good to be playing basketball in March. That is true. Guys had a little bit of an offseason last year compared to what we've started to get used to in the last four seasons at 17 and 10. Um, but you're back to this 22 and 5. You, you seem maybe this year, because of that mark last year and not making the NCAA tournament, to fly a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, it was it was uh, you know a really enjoyable season with a with a great group of guys and um, you know we returned some some really key components to the year before and we were able to bring in uh, a couple of transfers and a couple first year guys that have that really have um, solidified the group that we had coming back and uh, you know we just we got a big win out the gate versus Keene State and you know I, I was thought this team was really heading a good direction hit a little bit of a lull in the mid season and and then kind of got it going at the end which was uh, which was fun to see. Had a little bit of a rough stretch there in December. Uh, lost to Lehman on the ninth, um, beat non-Division three Fisher, then lost to Cortland on the 18th and Carthage 
on the 20th at two games down in Miami, Florida. Really feel horrible about the trip there, Coach, but uh, I know you feel more horrible about those three out of four losses. And then Becker tripped you up a month later. Yeah, a little rough spot in the middle there. Was was that uh, uh, an indication of travel, honestly, or maybe competition that was a little bit better than you were at the time? I thought it was probably the most important part of our season uh, was to play against the teams of that caliber. Both Cortland are very good, and Carthage is, uh, you know, as you, I'm sure you're well aware, very historically a really good team mm-hmm. and just has uh, different size than we're accustomed to uh, that we played earlier on in the year. So for us to, to learn from those games, I thought was the most important part of our season and to get us to the end and where we're at now is just uh, to understand, you know, some of the mistakes we were making and we were still winning games. Our guys didn't necessarily know that they had to make those corrections and then to get uh, get a chance to play against the teams and, and, and kind of show where we were vulnerable. Uh, it allowed us as a staff and as a team to clean it up. And we were really struggling defensively um, during that, that time. And that's something that we really wanted to make sure we, we honed in on. And our half-court defense from that time really cleaned up. And uh, we became, one of the, I thought, one of the better teams, in, uh, at least in the region, defensively down the stretch. And so we learned a lot from those games. It was, it was a great trip. I mean, Miami... Um, was as as fun as you can imagine for losing two games, but it was it was you know our guys haven't experienced anything like that. So right. to have them all together, I thought we bonded. I thought we got tighter as a group. Obviously, we'd like to have won uh, the games, but for us, the learning experience I think was uh, very beneficial. As we pointed out, lost to home against Becker on the 16th of January, and then on Valentine's Day on the road at Elms, they tripped you up by three in a not so lovely game. Um, was the you guys were always in a situation because we've gotten used to this, and I'm sure you have too. Though we'll get into more detail into whether that's changing into the you got to win to get in type scenario. Uh, we knew that in the regional rankings as well. Was it was a game like Elms a good reminder? Go guys, we're it's on the line every night here. Yeah, so that game was a, a little bit different. Uh, we had just clinched um, the regular season going yep. into that game, so we knew we had the one seed, and we really wanted to be playing our best basketball, so we were looking forward to having a good day, uh, good week of practice leading into that game. Uh, Dave, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, half of our team got hit with the flu, so oh. we played with half of our half our guys. We had to suit up our manager. We had uh, six guys um, that dressed that night, and um, yeah, it was, I'd never seen anything like it, so I was just happy that to, that we were able to get our guys back healthy for the following week and get going. But that's, you know, that's the season. A lot of coaches will tell you, you know, injuries. And um, I got the flu bug the day before our championship game. I'm just happy that I, I got it that week instead of the week before. I was going to say, uh, to some degree, it's good that your team got it February 14th and not March 14th or March 4th in that case. Um, so certainly get, got it out of the way at least, at the very least. Um, where do you guys – or where, I don't want to say where's your confidence level. I know what the answer is going to be to that from every single team of 64-team field, but where, where is your head as you head into this game against uh, you know Wesleyan, who's been the talk of the Northeast, talk of the NESCAC for much of the season? This is as good a team as, as there is in the country, just watching them on film. They're, they are big. They defend. I'd like to compare them to like a University of Virginia, how mm-hmm. they are in terms of their half-court defense. Um you know, I love my group. We are not just trying to get to this tournament and be happy that we're here. We we want to win games and we want to make a run. And uh, I feel like we have the guys to do that. So we know it's a very big challenge. Um, one of the best teams in the region. Um, also a team that you know 
present some challenges for us, but I, I think we can present some challenges for them. So it's a game where I know both teams are going to be really prepared. Uh, should it be a great college basketball environment? I, I think we can reflect a lot on our experience two years ago uh, when we played Tufts at their place. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be that type of environment. Um, so we got a, a hungry group and a group that, you know, I, I, as you said, I think has flown under the radar and, um, I, I just know we're not going to back down from the challenge. We're going to look forward to competing on Friday night. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really good basketball game. Essentially have, uh, three guys, or really four guys in double figures, uh, fifth, nearly there. We should point out, uh, if you're looking at the stat sheet, Tyler McLeod, uh, one of those guys in double figures hasn't played since the ninth game of the or seventh game of the season, but Mike Pierce, the senior leading the way at 19 points a game, Kylan, uh, DePolar, the junior, at 10 points a game. Claude Payne, the senior, at 10 points a game. Andre uh, Hodo, the junior, also, uh, we're going to call him 10 points a game at 9.9. Josh Borders, a junior, at 8.5. They all rebound well. Um, they distribute the ball, pretty much almost all of them, uh, at nearly two assists or more. It seems like, on paper, from a stat sheet, a very well-rounded team with a lot of options and willing to let everybody else shine as well. Yeah, I think that's been one of our uh, one of our strengths over the years here at Southern Vermont is we're not just a a one person uh, taking over and and th- this group has a guy that's very capable and was Player of the Year in our league, Mike Pierre, who I think offensively is as talented as there is in the country. Um, just a really uh, explosive offensive player, uh, can score with anybody. And then we have a bunch of guys that, like you said, are around that 10-point range, and that's the credit of an unselfish group. And uh, I think that's what makes us really hard to guard. Uh, and there are a couple names you didn't mention, Damon Carter and K.J. Kinsey mm-hmm. at the bottom of the bench. They're capable of going off for 15 to 20 any night, too. So because we have that balance and we have eight guys that can really uh, score the basketball on any given night, it's, you know, as a coaching staff, I just know scouting us, it would be, be tougher just because, you know, we're going to set down these three, well, on any given night, one of these other guys can get going. And so our, our depth has, has been, a, been a factor this year, and uh, you know we look forward to hopefully be able to make some shots because in this environment and these type of games, you're going you're gonna to need that to happen uh, to keep advancing. And uh, we, have, we have guys that can do that, and just hopefully um, you know, the round ball goes in the round, round rim. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how that is uh, kind of synonymous for everybody. How much do you look at the other side of, the, of that pod ahead of time and how much are you uh, do you keep it from focus uh, keeping your focus from Wesleyan so my, my focus right now just I, I have staff working on the other side I'm just focused on Wesleyan hmm. I can't look past them there's as good a team as we'll see this entire year they're they just present so many challenges with their size and um, the defense that they run so for me I, I can't look past anything but just trying to get get past Wesleyan in our first round on Friday night and then um, you know, our, our staff will be working on it, and we'll have a scout ready um, if we're, we're fortunate enough to advance. But uh, we know we need uh, all hands on deck, and you know, my, my focus is, is solely on on this game. That's shocking. I'm I'm really shocked. <laughs> uh, totally, totally shocked. Um, you're kind of the darling, I think, to some degree of the Northeast. A because you've got contacts around the East Coast. I had a, a, a media friend of mine who played in Division Three. He and I have called games together in many a sport in many of this region. Text me, oh, it's good to see my buddy at, at Southern at, at, at SVC, I should say, uh, in the tournament again. What's it mean? This feels like a, a, a team that doesn't get a lot of talk in the Northeast in the sense of rankings, but certainly gets enough talk, conversation in kind of the circles, as it were. What's it mean to be back in this situation and, and probably having your phone blow up again? Just so proud of our guys, you know. I, I think people thought when we went on a run a couple of years ago, and 
you know, the, the start that we had the following year that maybe things had fallen off. But for our guys to keep battling and pushing and get back to that moment, uh, it, it's really special. And, uh, yeah, to, to hear from friends and family and um, just to keep playing. You know, I, I really I really enjoy this group, Dave. It's, it's a, from staff to players to managers. It just I want to continue being around them. So to continue the journey and to continue scouting and to get back in the gym and, uh, you know, it's just really fun, and we're, you know we have that you know that attitude now where the the pressure's off. We're looking forward to just letting it let it rip and let it fly. And um, you know, I know there'll be people tuning in and looking forward to to seeing the game back home. You know, with the with the live stream, and uh, I have some family and friends coming to the game. So it's just it's just such a reward to get to this point and and keep playing and. Um, you know, we want, we want to keep dancing, so we're going to do everything in our power to, to make sure that happens. Should point out, you were on the um, the national committee rack this year, or uh, not national, near Northeast committee rack. Um, I believe for your first time. How much has that changed in just your first year? The perspective you have on not only what the rack does and all the work that goes behind the scenes, because that's always something I think that's eye opening, but also your your team situation and and what you have as a schedule. Yeah, it was it's really insightful because not being on it before, you don't really know, you know, how it works or where you stack up in the region, and just learning how valuable and how much the numbers matter to the committee. Uh, just learning how much the strength of schedule matters, the the first ranked opponents. Uh, so just just seeing how it works was was really enlightening, and um, you know, it's something that I know that if we want to have any shot, and most teams need to know that if they want to have any chance of beating at large, it's, it's not necessarily the wins. It's, it's who you're playing against and um, the, the opponents. And so just understanding that because of the league like ours, we have to understand. And now, now I know being in it, uh, you know, you could have a great year and you may even go undefeated, but if you slip up in your conference tournament and your strength, the schedule is not strong enough. Um, you may not get invited into the, the big dance. So, you know, there's, there's very little look test to it. It's, it's a lot by the numbers, um, and so it was really, it was really interesting to see. And, um, you know, now I, now I have some of the questions answered that I, that I didn't know heading into it this year. So not only that, good experience. not only that, but I, uh, most I know will tend to start looking at their schedule and changing what they do to some degree. Is that a fair assessment? Maybe not immediately because schedules are put together as, as far in advance as possible, but will you look at what you're doing in out of conference and, and maybe adjust if you need, if you feel you need to adjust and will you even have a conversation in the conference about, hey, what we need to do as a conference to adjust. Yeah, it's such a balance, though. You know, you, you want teams, you don't want to just load them up with top 10 teams in the country and, and your teams continue to lose and do that. So you, you want to make sure that you can schedule a, a relatively competitive schedule, but you also want to make sure you can try to win some games in there as well. So there is that balance because um, we've had teams in the past in our league that, you know, just go through that gauntlet and they don't win any games. Um, so there's a conversation within the coaches that yeah it'd be it'd be nice to to, to ramp up the schedule and and do that but it, you know at the end of the day um, you know each program's got to take care of what's best for them and sure. um, so you know I, I I do think from a conference standpoint and just from you know a, a competitive standpoint I think it's important for everybody to try to to play as many good teams as you can if you want to have a chance to get a good seed in the tournament as well as. Um, you know, also have any shot at in the large. Let me be a devil's advocate, though. As much as it's good for a program, and you don't you don't want to necessarily tell what a program needs to do, you as a conference are trying to best position yourselves for any team that's in that situation. How much is this saying to the conference? Guys, this isn't about making sure my resume specifically is better this year. This is about making sure if you're in this situation, 
your resume is better if the whole conference here can get on board a little bit with trying to improve our numbers. Yeah, and that and that conversation, you know, has been had in the past, and it's something we're going to continue to have. And uh, you know, our league is some is a league that's on the rise. There's yeah. no question about it. We we had uh, four or five teams this year with winning records, and teams are starting to get a lot better. And so I think you're going to see the NACC continue to improve. And um, you know, there's good coaches and there's good players, and I, I think there's going to be as the years go on here because it's we lose we lose three really really good seniors here: yeah. Claude Payne, Mike Pierre, and Damon Carter. But a lot, a lot of the league doesn't lose a whole lot of guys. Right. So I, I can see our league as we keep going becoming more dangerous, and I can see the schedules um, also improving and, and guys playing harder teams. Well, hey, sir, I appreciate your time um, talking about your team, talking about your region, talking about your uh, conference. Uh, certainly fascinating to always get this point of view right before we tip up the ball on the uh, on the next NCAA tournament. Uh, we wish you luck at Wesleyan. Uh, I haven't been there. Well, I have. I was a young kid. It was a long time ago when my father had reunions. But uh, I haven't been there in a while for a game, but I hope you'll enjoy it. And uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, well, Dave, first off, as always, thank you uh, for all your coverage and all your work. I know, especially this time of year, you're, you're running around and trying to cover everything, and, and you do so much for our game and, and for the Division Three game. So thank you, uh, sir, for all your work. And uh, just reiterate what I said before, just so grateful for this group of guys that we have here at Southern Vermont for this opportunity uh, to get back to the tournament and thankful for my staff. I got a, I got a great one here at Southern Vermont, guys that are working so hard, Coach Pomersky, Coach Hamlet. Uh, and Coach Alex Burt. Um, and so, you know, just uh, looking forward to this journey continuing. And I need to tell, uh, I know she can't speak back yet, but I just want to, uh, I'm sure my wife and daughter will be listening. So I just want to make sure I, I send my best to them before we head out. Smart man. Smart man. I do the same. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your time. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a Absolutely. Good one. Dan Engelstad joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline from Southern Vermont. So Southern Vermont continues on in the tournament, playing pretty darn good basketball. Um, if I'm New Jersey, if I'm Wesleyan, I'm not sleeping on the Mountaineers by any stretch of the imagination. We know what Dan Engelstad has been able to do in the history of the Mountaineers to get big wins. Uh, let's keep them in mind. Uh, appreciate him taking the time. Again, they'll take on Wesleyan. That game is uh, at Wesleyan, so it'll be the second game, the 730 game out there. When we come back, one more interview. Claremont Mud Scripps, Ken Scalmanini talks about return to Walla Walla and a rematch with Whitworth. But he also explains what happened to the team and why they disappeared off everybody's radars. They may not be off their radars by the beginning of the season. We'll see, or I should say by the end of the weekend is what I'm trying to say. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. 
Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this Thursday evening as we get ready for the NCAA tournament. I know those at Claremont Mud Scripts are excited for the next segment. We're going to talk to their head coach on the men's side, Ken Scalmanini. It's a team that was preseason picked top 25. I think it was 15th, if memory serves. I certainly thought a lot about them. But we didn't know. Well, we didn't know that Michael Scarlett was banged up. We didn't realize he was injured, and they had a rough start to the season, losing the first four in a row to Whitewater and Platteville, along with George Fox and Puget Sound. Then they lost to Redlands and Santa Cruz before losing to Tufts. Sprinkled in all of those losses were three wins. Not the greatest of starts. Since then, by the way, oh, they haven't lost. They have not lost a game since January 3rd when they beat Laverne and went on a tear. Michael Scarlett is back. The team is looking good, but they have a rematch with Whitworth. What does it all mean? Well, I talked to their head coach, Ken Galmanini, earlier today, since they're a little bit busy up there in Walla Walla. And not only did we find out that the team is ready for this rematch with Whitworth in Walla Walla, but they also have a perfect place to go have breakfast. You'll understand what I mean. Um, Ken Scalmanini from Claremont Mud Scripts uh, joined me earlier today. Now joining me on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Claremont Mud Scripts, it is head coach Ken Scalmanini. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Dave, thanks for having me. Always love talking to you. My team's doing real well, and uh, <laughs> appreciate you reaching out and being on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time, considering you guys are on the road. You're up in Walla Walla. Uh, we should point out, if we haven't already mentioned it already, pre-taping this segment as you're getting ready for one of your practices at Whitman. Um, it's a little deja vu, Ken. <laughs> we have, yeah. we have, we're down the same road. We're at the same facility. You're taking on the same uh, squad as last year, in, at least in the general sense of things. Familiarity can be good. Familiarity can be dangerous, too. How are you guys lining right. up for this one? Well, I guess there's two ways to look at it. You know, we play the number two team in the country first round. Right. But, um, you know, I, I we've been to Whitman before, and we're familiar with the place. And we have some experienced guys that have already that have been here before. So in in that sense, I think it helps me. 
And to be honest, like I told the team, we're powerless to where they're going to send us. Sure. Uh, it's just the way it is for the West. You know, we usually get sent wherever they need to be because we're the single team. And we were kind of expecting, you know, if we were fortunate in our Skyac tournament, all the Skyac teams felt that that, that winner was going to be heading up to Walla Walla. So yeah. it was not a surprise whatsoever to play Whitworth first and have Whitman as the host as the exact thing as last year is, um, you know, we weren't expecting that quite a bit, but this is the cards we've been dealt. And, you know, we're excited to play a a really good team in Whitworth and and very well coached. You guys upset them last year, got a a pretty good game in against Whitman the next night. Certainly that's in the cards potentially this year, though Whitworth number two, as you said, in the final poll going into this tournament, maybe a little bit different than the team you saw last year. But you guys are arguably a little bit different this year. We'll go into more detail of that, but how much can you rely on what you saw last year and the scouting report you put together and and tapes you saw on how you prepared versus what you're seeing this year, what you have in it? Can, can you rely on stuff last year? Is it all from scratch and starting over and getting ready for what you would consider a different team? Um, you know, the personnel-wise, they're a lot different. I know they have a couple guys back, but, um, you know, I think they had two or three different starters, and they had a guy that got hurt early on. Um, I think, you know, good coaches run similar things year in and year out. I mean, I do. I run that motion offense. So. Right. If you played me the year before, you would know. But, you know, we run it a little <laughs> bit different. And, and when I watch them, they, they're smart in how they utilize their personnel. You know, maybe some of the types of things they do are similar. But we, we, we know this is, gonna, this is a whole different game, and, you, and it's got to be treated as such. And the preparation has been a lot different than it was, to be honest, for last year on, sure. on how they do it. Sure. You guys have... Uh, almost a tale of two halves of the season. Uh, It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek and corny to say, but you started the season as a preseason favorite in the top 25. None of us knew that Michael Scarlett wasn't going to be able to be available for a good chunk of the first half of the season. Uh, And you guys struggled to some degree. Granted, you also played a pretty tough schedule. He comes back from that injury, and you guys have been on a tear, but as a result, a little under the radar all at the same time. Yeah, I think we started with real high expectations and then people talking about us, and, and maybe that was a little too much weight on our shoulders a little bit, to be honest. And, sure. you know, once that subsided and, and Michael came back, I, I could see the steady improvement. And to be honest, I think during the time when I was losing, we kept working hard. We didn't expect this to be happening. We didn't throw our hands up and go and point fingers. And I think there's two ways to look at that. We said we're going to try to figure out what's going wrong. And actually mm-hmm. having those good teams pound us in different areas mm-hmm. helped us figure out what was going wrong and what we needed. And then obviously getting Michael back healthy and um, even my point guard, Scotty Lenz, at the beginning had a concussion, so he was out a little bit. Having both those guys back healthy obviously makes me, you know, I've got a lot more ammunition as, as mm-hmm. a coach right then with that. But really them figuring, you know, putting us – hurting us a little bit in certain areas helped us work on those. So, um, and then obviously the expectations were off our shoulders. And once we started conference play, uh, you know, we ran right with it. We got a really big win at Pomona Mm -hmm. after losing actually our first conference game back in December to Redlands during that same time. Yeah. And we were able to squeak one out at Pomona. And I think they're a great team and really well coached with cats and, um, that made us just one and one at the time going into Christmas. 
But um, then we had a, you know another week coming back and played a really good Lewis and Clark team and then Tufts from the East. And those 10 days of practice helped us quite a bit too. And with the expectations off our back, we started getting on a little bit of a winning streak. And you know how confidence you know mm-hmm. builds confidence. Um, we just started to play a lot better in, in a lot of different areas. You're a senior-laden squad. There's some argument to be said. You want to try and take advantage of the opportunity now, but it's an experienced squad. Again, we talked about the last year's NCAA tournament, and it's led, of course, by Michael Scarlett. But your three top scorers are seniors. Scarlett at uh, pretty much 19 points a game, uh, averages about three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists a game on top of that, and shoots pretty solidly. But Scott Lynn's a senior guard. Uh, Kendrick Morris, a senior center, both in double figures in scoring, and Morris at nearly eight rebounds a game. I know there's more than that. You mentioned Jack Eli, the, the another forward who's a senior of your, yours. We could also talk about Miles President, the sophomore guard that you have. But that trio has really been kind of the bread and butter of this team. Yes. Well, I guess offensively and statistic-wise, you name the first three. But uh, Ely, who had a knee injury a year ago and missed half the season, is, is vital for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it is really important that the seniors play well. Jack gives us that screening and toughness that is really needed. And, you know, I play those seniors quite a bit, to be honest. They're going to be, you know, I'm going to miss them quite a bit after the end of this year. And they just know the drills. And, you know, they when the young guys are, are not aware of things, they talk to them on the sides. And having that experience is just, I mean, it really makes my job a lot easier. I could send a kid out for maybe some mistakes, and the older kids would talk to them and explain them. And it's a lot better coming from your peers and Coach Scalmanini just, you know, yelling about, about whatever, lollygagging on a screen or something. And <laughs> so the seniors during that time and their experience, I think, really helped. Even though they had those high expectations, they had been through this with me before with losing a little bit, and then all of a sudden – becoming you know a little bit better of a team so their expectations to get better i think really helped our team stay focused and and not get down on ourselves with a tough start yeah the tough start and the other thing is you know he had an interesting sky act you, you mentioned pomona uh, oglethorpe not uh, not oglethorpe that's another team on the show tonight um occidental had a, a pretty good season this year the skyac hasn't been as competitive as it has been in the past but i get a sense the top at least gave you guys some good tests no question occidental i think played whitworth to a five point mm-hmm. or whitman uh whitman, whitman to a yeah. five point game and we had a tough time against the northwest our, our league when they came out here early on i think maybe cal lutheran was the only one to beat a george fox we could be like one and seven against their conference um so but you know, those top Skyac teams, Occidental, Pomona, Chapman, that all made it, uh, they're good teams. I mean, it's, you know, we're only winning six, eight points. It's not a blowout. Uh, Oxy had a tremendous defensive team, and um, Pomona as well has a lot of good, talented players that can score. So it wasn't like we were breezing through that conference. I wish I could say that, but that's that's not the case whatsoever. And um, they say our conference is down a little bit, but I just uh, I really feel like a few of us had some tough starts at the beginning. Sure. When you when you prepare for a weekend like this, not only in a team that you're familiar with and trying to drive home the you know the fact that to your team that you know familiarity could actually breed compro- some problems, but also knowing that you're going into a, a gauntlet of a start here and and you've got to get ready for a second game possibly against the number one team in the country, barring an upset. 
How do you guys mentally prepare for that? Do, do you do you discuss it at all? Do you try and not discuss it at all? Are you open? Are you close? How do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I think by playing a number two team in the country first, it's not like you can skip over anything. I mean, obviously we're the underdog. I don't even think we're ranked. I think one coach might have gave us a vote just because maybe they like us or something. We got one <laughs> vote in the whole thing. Yeah. So it, it's not like looking past anyone. I'm I'm not in the Whit, uh, Whitworth and Whitman situation where they're looking to get against each other. I'm one game at a time. So we've practiced only for Whitworth, and then then if we're fortunate enough to move on to Saturday, then we're going to get ready for Saturday. But you know, it is a team that we played the year before who runs similar things. So um, I try to just go one day at a time and then look for just the one game on Friday as the only game that we're playing thus far. How do you then turn around? Last year you guys had to do it. You upset um, Whitworth in that first game and had to play Whitman the next one. How do you then turn around and get prepared for that next game in such quick order? Yeah. You just, as a coach, you do a lot of the preparation without without doing anything in the practice. You're, you're ready for them. You've watched all the film. You've written down, to be honest, both teams. Um, Schneider out of Texas as well. You, yeah. you, you get ready and look at their statistics, and you watch some game film, and you write down things that they do, and you know you get prepared a little bit that way. But during the practices, you work for Whitworth, and then you're hoping that Friday night, you know, you're you're watching the game and you're now seeing things that you've written down that are, are they familiar in that second game if they're fortunate? And then hopefully all the things that you've done over the year, you know, it's not too much of a change. You know, I, I'm not obviously I guard people a lot different, but I'm not running too many different things motion wise. You know, we've been switched before, we've been zoned before, we've been man before, so I just we got to kind of recognize who our opponent is and what we're expecting them to give us, and we got to make those changes. I'm a little fortunate with that, with my motion that's able to morph a little bit. So, um, like sets, you got to know where to go. With our motion, you know, there's different reads than, that they make, and you just got to change your reads a little bit. So, playing a fast tempo team that presses you a lot, um, we've been in that before with the Puget Sounds and some yeah. of them, and. Um, it makes that a little bit easier if you end up facing an up and down team, but you just got to do that the day before. And even my Skyac tournament, which I know the teams are more familiar with each other, is the same thing. I, on Friday, I played Chapman, and that whole week, you only do Chapman. Mm. Do I know if Pomona is going to win? Do I know if Occidental is going to win? I don't do anything for them until that next Saturday, but I'm already, as a coach, kind of ready for either one of the opponents to come my way. Sure. If that makes sense. It does. Now, you played Whitewater and Platteville to start the season on the road, we should point out. Platteville obviously turned into a, a tremendous team this year. White, uh, Whitewater ended up fading in the end. Can you use those games in any way to prepare for this weekend? No question. No question. Just being on the road, mm -hmm. having back-to-back -back teams, staying in the hotel, yeah. going to different restaurants, having them have you know the time management with times. Um, I think it helps. So I always try to do that. I have a, a Wells Classic. We kind of do the back-to-back -back games, and then I'd like to travel one time and, and kind of do that. We went to two different gyms, actually, in Wisconsin, so this would be a little bit easier by staying in one place. Yeah, but true. I definitely think it helped us um, to, to have gone through that already, with especially the new guys. And the other thing of this is you mentioned earlier that Occidental played Whitman. Can you – 
can you take any of the intel from that game? Not necessarily. Maybe you've watched tape. I, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how the tape exchange works for everybody, but maybe you've seen tape. But more importantly, you know Occidental. You know how they probably played against Whitman. Can you take that and use it as well? And I don't well, mean I use it, by case, the way. I, I don't mean yeah. legally. I just mean is it mm-hmm. is it beneficial yeah. for you is what I should say. Yeah, I, I think most of the time it's not necessarily the, the opposing team that's playing them. It's more what Whitman does. Okay. So the fact that I know the personnel of Occidental I think helps. It, uh, if the guy's able to get past one of the other kids, I know about his athleticism, so that helps to a degree. But what you want to do is get a close game where that team that you're going to play is throwing all their strong options on the table right away and not doing something where – you know, it's their plan B because they have a big lead. So what Occidental provided is is a game where it's, where it's tough, and what's showing up now is the strengths of that team. So I think in, in that sense, that really did help, you know. But let's not, you know, they, that was a tough road trip for Whitman, and yeah. um, and they ended up winning, <laughs> playing really well down the stretch against that. So, But that's definitely a film that I looked at already. I'm sure. I, I am sure. Uh, so you guys traveled up. Uh, when did you guys get there? Again, this is pre-taped. And, and yeah. what is kind of, I know you have practice, but after practice, what's kind of the next 24 hours going to be like? We flew in last night. Um, we got practice. I got a, a restaurant for us. We'll do a little film work tonight. And then, you know, some of my guys got some homework. I actually got a <laughs> homework three or four <laughs> exams tonight that they're missing while they're on the road. So, We'll get a meal in, um, we'll do a little meeting time, a little film, and then a few of the guys are going to have to hit the books, and then some of the fortunate guys are probably going to be watching ESPN. But we'll get to bed <laughs> early, and got to shoot around the next morning. Got the same breakfast place we went to last year. Okay. Uh, and then our game's at 5.30. So well, that's kind of the next 24 hours. It's that's kind of exciting to be. Yeah, that's not a bad schedule. I like the I like the breakfast place. Uh, any tidbits for any of us who might travel out there? What breakfast place you chose? You want Clarets. The people are wonderful there. Okay. They're nice. Um, they get you the check right away. They're friendly, and the food's fantastic. It's a mom and pop place right around the oh, corner from perfect. Whitman. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, Coach, I could talk to you in nauseum. I want to go right back quickly, though, before we let you go and talk about Scarlett and what he has brought to this program. He's certainly been a special talent. Um, I think people get confused um, to some degree about him because he's yeah. you know listed as a, a guard. He tends to ha- play a little bit like a forward, but he doesn't yeah. have a mentality like a forward. C- can you just describe what it's been like for what many would call the the, the bearded wonder? <laughs> right. Well, the, don't let the beard fool you. First off, <laughs> he's the head of our Christian fellowship on the campus. Okay. He's a, just a wonderful kid. Um, he, he loves everybody. Um, it's easy to root for him, even though he's the best player. When you get the, uh, one of the best players on your team, that's a hard worker. It just makes the entire team work real hard. Uh, he's a little bigger than you think. He's mm-hmm. about six, four. Uh, I, I agree. He can slash to the basket a little bit. Dave, his shooting's unbelievable. I mean, I've been doing this now as a head coach for 21 years. And I mean, his free throw shooting when he's open, you know, he's got some practices where he barely touches the rim for me. So uh, he's a really special individual in the shooting phase. I think he shot again like 91 or 92% from the free throw line. Wow. He might have missed a couple down the stretch. But it's that those intangible things where the guys, 
lot of times I have these really top players and you don't root for them as much. It's like they got everything going for them and they don't pull anyone along with them. And Michael's a complete opposite. Michael's mm. hurt and he's showing up at the practices and he's talking to the kids and he's helping them with their work and telling them what professors to take and that sort of thing. And I've learned, you know, the kids respect the best player. And a lot of times the best player is your captain. But when you have your best player that then off the court does things for them, you get this leader that tops anyone that could just play well. And that's what Michael does. He, you know, he, he's there for the guys and then they enjoy when he does real well. And man, sometimes we run the motion and I'm thinking, well, all we're doing is just screening for Scarlett a little bit. So <laughs> Um, he's going to be really missed, and um, I was lucky to get him. Well, we would love to see if maybe he ends up in Salem, whether it be by via team or otherwise. Uh, but it's been a joy to watch him from afar, and we look forward to seeing how you guys do in the tournament this year, uh, including the rematch with Whitworth. As always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I just appreciate the time that you did, and I really have a great group of guys on the court and off the court, and I, I just want to keep playing so I get to spend more time with them. I mean, I'm going to really miss these five seniors. You, you talked about them. Andrew Maddock also comes off the bench and plays quite a bit for me, and these seniors have been real special to me, so I'm trying to do my best to just like keep winning games just so I get to see them each and every day. And um, I thank you, Dave, for what you do, and uh, you really add a lot to Division Three basketball with your time and appreciate you reaching out to us and, and letting me talk a little bit about the Stags. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time as well. Good luck and enjoy the, uh, enjoy the experience at the very least. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. He is Ken Scalmanini, head coach of the Stags, Claremont Mudscripts, taking on Whitworth in the first round of the NCAA tournament on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Coach for joining us a little bit earlier today. Um, listen, the Stags are a good team. We know this. Uh, if you don't know this, we'll, I hope that interview helped you. Um, their first half of the season is not to be judged in, in some senses. Uh, tough run, but the talent's gotten experience. Now they've gone 15-1 and one in conference. They have gone straight through winning, uh, what is it? I've got them at 16 straight. Um, taking on Whitworth here in this game at Whitman. So that that pot is is going to be good. Uh, we haven't talked about Shriner. Yeah, probably could, but Whitman, Whitworth, and Claremont Mud Scripps, it's, it's a heck of a trio right there. Um, been confirmed that Claret's is a very good place to eat breakfast. Thank you, Daryl. Uh, if I get out to Whitman sometime to see a game, Claret's will be where I go. I love a good breakfast, um, <laughs> maybe more than I should, but I also don't get a lot of good breakfasts, so uh, that that's outstanding. We're going to wrap things up here. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, a reminder, um, men's games get started at 1 o'clock, believe it or not, at least for one game. It'll be Yeshiva against York, um, and then they've got the second game following that. If I understand correctly... I believe they will still play the second round game at 7.30 on Saturday if Yeshiva's not playing. They will play it at 8.30 if Yeshiva's in it. I believe is how they're doing things there. You can go to d3hoops.com. We'll have updated times. Um, by the way, we've got an email from Tom Curl up at Plattsburgh. Thank you, Coach. Wants to emphasize there's no blizzard up there. <laughs> they're only expecting about an inch of snow. 
Uh, there is a big storm on the East Coast. It's kind of where I was being all tongue-in-cheek about um, shoveling out. Uh, but he wanted to make sure that to let fans of those teams know you can get to Plattsburgh. Sounds like the storm will stay away from Plattsburgh. I know other parts of New York that are going to get uh, socked with some snow, but it sounds like Plattsburgh's going to be okay. Um, a lot of good games out there. If you get a chance, go to a game. Yes, it's going to cost you some money because it's an NCAA tournament game, and we're going to try and recoup some of the costs of this tournament. But go to a game. Go to two games. Most of the time, you can buy one ticket. And Actually, I don't think there's any split sessions this, this week, but to be blunt, I don't know off the top of my head. You can buy one ticket and see both games on Friday. Go for it. Go enjoy both. If, if you're going to root on your team in the first or the second game, stick around and watch the first or the second game. If you're there for the first, stay for the second. If you're there for the second, go early and go to the first. Not only are you supporting these student-athletes in Division Three, but you'll get this chance to see some really good basketball. Um, you'll also see who your team may be playing in the next game. It, it, I'm always amazed. I'm, well, I'm not surprised. But I am amazed how many fans, and this includes at Salem, by the way, don't watch the other game. A, your ticket gets you into the other game, so why not take advantage of it? And B, there's good basketball being played. I understand supporting your team, but go see the other game as well. It, it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Careful drive tomorrow. It might be a mess in the afternoon, evening. Yeah, it's, it might be a little bit crazy on the East Coast uh, in the afternoon, evening. I know we're getting expecting winds in, uh, in near tropical storm strength. Just be smart, but go enjoy the games. Leave a little early if you need to. I, again, I'm going to do a double dip. I'm going to go up to York for their two games, at least see most of that second one before either the game says I can or whatnot. Then I'm heading to Hopkins to see the double dip there. Uh, that means I get to see eight teams tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. We will not be at any games on Saturday. I have to be elsewhere, but then Sunday we'll be back here with Hoopsville. Um, reacting to the first weekend, I don't think we've ever gone through a first weekend where the host teams all have won. So we will be talking about the upsets. We will be talking about who's probably going to be hosting. The hosts will come out on Sunday. Um, so we'll talk about who those hosts are. For the most part, they're pretty obvious, but sometimes we get some interesting scenarios we have to figure out. So stick with us at D3Hoops, at D3Hoopsville, both on Twitter and hoopsville.com slash hoopsville, of course, is another way you can interact with us as well. Um, I'm not going to predict winners. Uh, I've decided, I mean, I could, I could on the women's, but why would I do women's and not men's? As I'm calling more games in the NCAA tournament, I don't want anybody thinking I have favorites or anything. I, I mean, I don't. Even if I were to pick winners, I don't have favorites. I think they're all fun. There are a lot of good games out there. There's a lot of unfortunate games. A reminder, we did talk to the women's committee chair about uh, the bracket and the selectioning and all that. That podcast is available separately. It's on the show page. If you're watching us on our, our D3 Hoopsville show page right now, it's on that page. A link is provided um, if you're a podcast member, it's probably already dropped into your system. You can listen to that. It is a separate, about 36-some-odd-minute um, conversation with her and some thoughts afterward. Uh, a lot of good games to be played, so we hope you'll take advantage of them. I want to thank everybody who appeared on the show today, uh, whether it was pre-taped or live. First half of the show was live, if you're wondering. Second half was pre-taped. Mark Brown and Sam Tony from New Jersey City. Also, thanks to Ira Thor uh, and his uh, department who also got us the video of Sam Tony, which was fun to watch. 
Um, Nate Davis from Gettysburg, Jeff Rogers from Barrie, Alex Ritchie from Oglethorpe, Dan Engelstad from Southern Vermont, and Ken Scalamini from Claremont Mud Scripps. Appreciate all of their sports information staffs as well for their assistance on the show as well. It was nice to uh, um, get that help, it is, as it always is. Um, if you ever have questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, I, there's going to be some upsets, so stick with D3Hoops to find out who's going to be upset. I mean, obviously, DePaul versus Trine, you're going to get some games where, where somebody a favorite is going to go out early. It's part of the game, as it were, now, and, and it's unfortunate, but... Uh, and again, I want to reiterate something that I don't think quite was understood by people on Twitter. It's unfortunate Whitworth and Whitman are playing against each other. It is. Would we like to see it otherwise? Would we like to see Whitworth, let's say, in another pod? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to see that in round two. Not, not in back-to-back years. But I found an article, a newspaper article out of Whitworth completely irresponsible. And I found some others out there on Twitter and elsewhere who aren't understanding the scenarios here. First off, where was your uh, anger and your frustrations when three Northwest Conference schools had to play through each other, I think, what, on two occasions in the opening week of the women's tournament in, in recent years? Apparently, when it's the men's side, it's up in arms. And on the women's side, while well, we got some comments and some complaints that there hasn't been the vitriol that I have seen on social media. Not to mention, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see the same article being written out in the Northwest as I saw recently. Also, I think that reporter, and I will probably email him at some point in time, didn't do his homework because he could easily have contacted the committee chair. And the committee chair would have said the exact same thing the committee chair said to us on Monday when we asked about that pod. There were no Texas schools that hosted or, or filed to host. None. Well, if we can't send any games to Texas because no one has filed to host. Where do you expect us to send games? And I mean us by Division Three. We can't just send games wherever the heck we want to send them. Not to mention, in fact, we have a budget. We can't just fly teams wherever the heck we want to fly them and fly as many teams as possible. For all we know, the NCAA said you get three flights and the committee wanted more. Well, we have four. What the suggestions out there are five, with no Texas schools hosting. And by the way, Shriner is 500 miles from Sol Ross or less than. So we could have had a host in Sol Ross or Shriner and gotten teams there and played and saved ourselves some money in flights and probably gotten Whitworth out of there. We could have done that. But no school in Texas put into host, whether it's because they're young administrations, small schools, inexperienced. I don't know because I haven't talked to them and they can have their own reasons, but none of them did. If one of them did, if Shriner or Saul Ross did, if Letourneau did for all I know, this changes the equation, but they didn't. So we have to send all the Texas schools out. We have to send a California school out. That's four flights. And you're asking for a fifth flight. I am in agreement that I wish it could happen, but I'm in real I'm in reality over here understanding it's not. We have fought for changes in this in this division. We have fought hard for changes in this division, and they have happened. We have had less flights. 
We have had harder matchups. Look on the women's side. Three Texas schools are in the same pod. Whitman or Whitworth women have been sent there. Whitman women, sorry. Whitman women have been sent there. That's a tough pod. Wish that could have been done differently. Honestly, I would have sent Chapman there instead, to be honest with you. But then Whitman has to go to St. John or St. Thomas according to how the bracket was built, and that's brutal too. But this idea that somehow we can just demand that that happen because of national rankings, which, by the way, is bogus. National rankings have nothing to do with this, is getting old. We have to find other reasons, and that's money. The one idea was that boosters can pay for um, the schools to maybe fly. Here's the problem. Now we're putting in a pay-per-play system. So now we're going to wait and create a bracket and then go and ask a bunch of schools if they're willing to find boosters and alums who are willing to pay for things. How long do you want this process to take? Not to mention, in fact, you open the door with one sport. You have to commit that to every other sport. Women's basketball, football, both soccers, lacrosse. You name a sport, we now need to do that across the board. It's not realistic, folks. We need more money in Division Three, So if we need to solve this, we need more money in Division Three. So the challenge now is how do we bring in more money into Division Three? Because remember, we're getting 3.18% of the budget of the entire NCAA. If you think asking the guys who make all the money, and that is the D1s, if they can give up more of their money, let's be a little realistic on whether you would give up more of your money for someone who doesn't bring money into the into the NCAA. And that's, that's the way Division Three is made. So be it. Should we go out and find CBS, NBC, ESPN, or the white uh, or the like to to maybe pay in and, and do a series? Sure, that's a great idea. But we need to find that. If we bring in that kind of money, then maybe we can have more money to spend on flights. But right now, our money is based on Division One's basketballs at the softball and baseball championships, for the most part. There's some other places where money's brought in. All D1 rated. D3 brings in its dues. That's it. And this is why I'm really not a fan of the proposal to send the money back to to schools after it didn't seem to be needed anyway. No, put that in a rainy day fund, please. Or put it into the D3 budget and let's spend spend it on flights. There's an there's a solution. If you want to figure fix this flight problem out, then go to your schools and the ones who have who dues have increased, and now the idea is let's give the money back to the schools because we don't really need it. No, no, maybe we do need it. Maybe we need it on more flights. So don't get me wrong. I'm not happy Whit, Whitworth and Whitman could, could play each other in the second game. But I'm also realistic to what we deal with. And what we deal with is when no Texas schools are hosting and can't host because they didn't file to host and you can't make schools host if they don't want to host. Where do you see the solution? Understanding how D3 works. Not some pie-in-the-sky idea and not some idea that works for you because you're associated with the school. We have to be realistic. We have fought for change, especially at D3 Hoops. We have helped in my opinion, make the brackets better because we have asked tough questions and said, no, that wasn't acceptable. We don't necessarily do it on air. We sometimes do it behind the scenes. And we've helped. 
So have the coaches associations. The NABC on the men's side has been very supportive and vocal and will talk behind the scenes about things they don't like to see. They'll get things to the committee and let them understand where they sit on things too. I suspect the WBCA is getting into a position where they can do that as well. But the realistic, the, the, the whole thing here is we can't just have everything. Whitman, Whitworth as a potential second-round game sucks. It does. But that's the cards we had this year. I know for a fact from multiple messages from multiple individuals, the committee did not want that matchup. The committee did not want that scenario. The committee had no choice. By the way, the other option is to send Whitman out of town too. It's unfortunate. But let's not start pretending that there's solutions out there that, are, that aren't there right now. We need to find more money in Division Three and find a way to use that money across the board in all sports. That's where our solution needs to be looking for to figure out these problems. I'll get off my soapbox now. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate you taking the time. We'll be back on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern, to talk more Division Three basketball and what happened on the opening weekend. It's going to be fun, folks. We know it is. Enjoy it. Yeah, we're going to be talking about one of those W's, if not both, not in the tournament anymore. But there's a lot of other schools out there to talk about, too. There's a lot of other programs out there. We're on our final road to Salem and on the road to Rochester, Minnesota. This is when it's fun. So enjoy it with us. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Reminder, no whip around this weekend. I apologize. Maybe we'll try and find a way to bring it back. Yeah, my health has something to do with it. Maybe. There's other reasons, too. Um, yes, Jay, Sol Ross does have a, a nice complex. Jay, can someone from uh, find out each of the Texas schools why they didn't file? I can if you want. I've checked with some sources down there. There's about a litany of reasons. It's their reasons. We can find out, I guess. I, for me, it's it's. I, I, I don't think I have to. I, I don't think it's the end of the world. They chose not to host. They're also new to this. Maybe they didn't think they'd be in. I don't, you know, maybe some of them didn't think they needed to worry about it because they knew they'd be shipped out. I don't know. I do know one school who wasn't selected as an at-large had put into host. Yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole if you want to. Oh, if they had chosen this school, they could have solved the problem. Yeah, well, that's why they choose the, the teams before they look at the bracket. If you're ever wondering, if, the, if you ever wanted a conspiracy to be proven true, this year didn't help you. Because if you wanted a bracket to be solved on the men's committee side, they would have chosen one different team out of Texas, possibly, or a different team elsewhere. And this whole thing would have been different. They could have had some hosts in other locations and solved the whole problem. Just so you know. But that's not how this works. They choose their teams and then they bracket. Anyway, we'll end now. You've been listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, the City of Salem for their help. I want to thank all the guests who appeared on the show and their sports information directors for their assistance. We're going to sign off back again on Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Hope you enjoy the show. And please go out and enjoy the games. That's the whole point of this. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.